Hello, everyone. This is Standard Definition, the entertainment podcast show of the Blastoverse Network. I'm one of your hosts, Stoy, and with me tonight is someone I need, I need, sir. It would be so amazing if you could give me a nice plug on the Boss Rush Network. If you could just kind of like speak into the microphone that's right in front of you and just give me a little uh, commercial. I am LaRon Dawkins, and this is my favorite standard definition on the Boss Rush Network. Yes, yes. I'll, I will give you a store discount did I, now. Did I, did I nail it? Did I nail it? You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> just don't go on any other podcast doing the same thing, okay? <laughs> well, now, why would I ever think of doing something like that? Uh, hold know. on. How many more? How many more podcasts do I have to visit this week? <laughs> Dude, it's been a week of podcasting, man. Like, oh man, was, yeah. This is this is this is my third one this week. Well, yeah. the fourth one technically, technically. Yeah, I uh, when I woke up when we woke up Tuesday morning to the news of the whole Activision thing. Like, I remember kind of like I, I have to report to work for like an hour every week. So like I'm at work and Corey's like, "What are you doing right now? We have an emergency podcast recording right now." So I was like, all right, I'm leaving right now. So I literally recorded a podcast in my truck and I listened back to it and my truck, I have like a little microphone in my truck that's connected uh -huh. to, you know, my stereo and it's actually not bad yeah. quality. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah. Cause I listened back to it and I was like, God, I wonder, I wonder how I sound. So first time I ever recorded a podcast in a car. <laughs> hey, do what you gotta do. Yeah, man. When you got, when you got news like that. You you gotta you gotta get it in. So see see at Crossroads we don't we don't do that. We just we just we just wait like because like usually it's on a Thursday. So like if mm -hmm. uh, so if we if we have the time we'll actually do something you know like we'll do we'll do something like a, like a retrospective like after the fact. Yeah. But um but depending on when it, when it airs is like you know what we can just wait till Tuesday to, to hit it. Well yeah that's that's kind of the funny thing like um. So much has come out since then. Like even today, there was still yeah, more news yeah. dropping about Sony coming out saying like, "Well, I hope Microsoft brings keeps Call of Duty on our systems. That would be nice." And then Phil Spencer comes yeah. out to say, "Yes, we will." So at least that's good. But then like Sony stock prices drops by like twenty million or something like that. Yeah, like, like they, yeah, like they 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 dropped over twelve percent, and I can't remember like the actual dollar value that that was that that was worth. But yeah, twelve percent twelve percent is a big deal. You know, like usually when when stock margin margins are usually only fluctuating by two or three percent. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, well, I think I kind of went halfway through the intro and segued completely off course. So. <laughs> Let me continue. Uh, Laron Dawkins is better known as the PC muscle race of the Boss Rush Network and the host of Crossroads, the PlayStation podcast, in case you haven't figured it out. I am one of the uh, contributing members of Arsenal X podcast on the Boss Rush Network and the EXP cast, a video game podcast, where we always talk about something completely random in the beginning of our episodes. So every time I host, I'm always used to like, you know, kind of shooting the shit for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah, like we 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 run up so much time on Crossroads because we we do the useless banter at the beginning of the show. Yeah, <laughs> and then we don't realize that we need to like lay, you know, like kind of like level off in the useless banter throughout the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's good to kind of get it out of the way. So, and I, you know, I'm all about business, as you can tell by me really kind of delaying what the hell we're talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like we're all business here. Especially on this, because when you look at my notes, they're pretty detailed. So, Laurent, we're not here to talk about me. 
We're not, not here, here to talk about me neither. We're not here to talk <laughs> about you. We're here to talk about one thing and one thing only, Mass Effect. Particularly in this episode, Mass Effect 1. Now, as we've seen recently with the release of the Legendary Edition, how that was a huge success for BioWare and a huge mm-hmm. success for EA. What it, Especially with the last couple games that BioWare put out, most notably Andromeda, Mass Effect Andromeda, and yeah. um, Anthem. You know, Bioware had some, you know, to basically say it lightly, they, they have some making up to do, especially to mm-hmm. its fans, because as a fan of Bioware for so long, you know, they're so highly revered as one of the best in terms of quality gameplay, quality story, quality characters, all this stuff. And obviously the last two games, we saw them kind of fall from grace a little bit. Is it a fault of their own? Is it a fault of, you know, the powers that be at EA? We hear so many different stories, but Legendary Edition kind of brought it back to remind everybody how great Bioware really is. And I think it was a perfect time for them, you know, them working on Dragon Age 4 and then working on the next Mass Effect to give them a kick in the ass to say, hey, guys, we could still do this. So uh, it's, it's probably one of the most deep and thought-provoking and emotional series of uh within the video game universe i think even currently now like obviously we have multiple different franchises but this mass effect franchise within video games is pretty big wouldn't you say oh yeah i agree like i I can't think of uh, for 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 the gamers who played it i can't think of a series that resonates harder than mass effect because i mean we've got we've got some we've got some serious franchises out there you know um you know, we've got the Witcher franchise. You know, people people aren't just like upswept about that. Elder Scrolls kind of has that going on, but mm-hmm. not on this level because it seems like most Elder Scrolls games they're loosely linked, but not linked like this. Like 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 Mass Effect rolled out. They rolled basically. They were like, "This is going to be our Star Wars trilogy." Yeah, I think that's kind <laughs> it, of what their what what the start was. Like the two original creators, they kind of wanted a Star Wars soap opera. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think they did it because they really nailed a lot of the dramatic elements of the story and the lore and the universe and the characters. Like the characters are probably some of the most notable characters in yeah, video in games gaming, today. In gaming, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, it, what's, what's, even, what's even crazier is like, like you've, got, you've got the main character, Shepard, who technically is a blank slate. Shepard is, Shepard is basically like, it's kind of like what Link is for Legend of Zelda. Like yeah. Shepard is just this person that's just this costume you put on and you make all the choices and decisions and stuff like that. And, you know, like, and, and what's crazy, and, you know, what's crazy is like Shepard winds up being a notable character on his own. And it's, and it's crazy because honestly, it's just you pull, making the decisions, pulling the trigger. Yeah, really. And, you know, I mean, we could talk about a little bit of the gravity of your choices probably, you know, later on in this episode, because we're going to this is going to be a very spoiler heavy episode, very spoiler heavy episode. So if you haven't played the series, highly encourage you go play it now because Man, where, 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 where have y'all been? This game has been out since 2007. I know. No kidding. This was Xbox exclusive at one point. Until yeah, like, it was. Mass yeah. Effect 2 came out and then they kind of released it onto yeah, the PS3. I, yeah, I almost bent. I almost bent the knee and bought a 360. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I already had one to begin with, but it was interesting because I bought it for the Xbox 360, the first one, and then I bought the mm-hmm. second one for the 360. But then they released it on the PlayStation 3, and surprisingly, it actually had better graphics. 
Like they, I don't know, the developers went in there and actually did something different. I don't know what, but like it looked better. Yeah. I mean, fight me on it. Like it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get my first real, real taste of uh, the mass mass effect until after the series had already been done and done and gone. And they released the mass effect trilogy uh, collection yeah. on PS3. And, and I will say this, like, um, I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I feel like I had I feel like I had a much a, a much better you know enjoyment of it because I was able to play the three games back to back like you know like I you know like Mass Effect ends Mass Effect two here we come mm-hmm. Mass Effect two ends Mass Effect three here we go yeah. stuff like that you know not saying that not saying that everyone that played the games over the years as they came out you know didn't have just as good an, an, of an experience but I'm one of those people like when. When when a game when a game comes out, it releases, and a sequel comes up. If it's a sequel that's tied directly to the story, I usually find myself needing to go back and play the other game just to get a refresher, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And you know, and you know, like at my age, like you know, like wasting like eight to sixteen hours on a game, you know, just just to get your refresher. Like I, I got better things to do, you know. Yeah, no, you you actually make a good point, and I think uh, that's one of the beauty beautiful things about the legendary edition now is that. For any for anybody that hasn't played the franchise, this is the perfect opportunity. You know, they cleaned it mm-hmm. up, especially Mass Effect One, which you oh, know, yeah. we, we talked it, about before it, recording was a little bit rough around the edges when it first came out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's 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 funny because like uh, maybe we'll say it for standard definition, Mass Effect Two edition. Yeah. But um, but it's funny how like you look at Mass Effect One and then you go to Mass Effect Two and Three and it looks like these games came from different eras, even though they were yeah. all, all three games, all three games were, well, Mass Effect one versus Mass Effect two and three looked like they came from different console generations. Yeah. D- different studios <laughs> even like when you think yeah. about it, I mean, yeah, you, you would think Bioware did the writing, but when they do and they did in terms of combat, like that's where that that's where the biggest difference was for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously, uh, Laurent and I are going to go back and do, the other two Mass Effects in the main trilogy. We haven't decided if we're going to dive into Andromeda. Uh, my my knowledge of Mass Effect Andromeda isn't as great as the trilogy, but you know we'll see when we get there. Um, yeah, neither is neither is mine. Like yeah. um, like I was a I was a day one. I was a day one. Uh, I picked it up day one, yeah, and uh, because the game because the game had so many issues, I had it on the PC side because the game had so many issues. Like. I got I got tired of waiting for patches and it wasn't even that the patches were like were like long in you know long in their their releases and stuff like that. I feel like Bioware was updating Andromeda if not every day, like every other day or something. So it seemed like every time I want to play the game, I'd have to sit through sit through a patch, a patch process. And they weren't short patches. No, <laughs> no, they weren't. Like like some of the, some of those patches took like six six to nine minutes, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Which yeah, I get it. They they were trying to clean up, you know, a lot of stuff and things like that. But you know, like there was like there was like a two week stretch where it was like I'm trying to play the game. I just want to jump into the game, and you know, I don't even want to do story. I just want to go fuck around in the game, mm-hmm. and I gotta wait through patches and stuff like that. I lost my interest in it, and yeah. that's that's a and that's a sad thing to say. Like when they're fixing the game, when they're fixing the game so frequently that you lose interest in it, like that's that's a bad that's that's bad. Yeah, that really is. But, you know, kind of to your point, they did fix it pretty quickly. Like, comparatively to some other games where it takes them months to fix, you know, patches, mm-hmm. I would say within the first month, a lot of those glitches, you know, were pretty were pretty much fixed. Um, obviously, they had yeah. some little quality quality issues that still persisted to the point where it's like, 
that would be too much too, too daunting to fix but they fixed a lot of the kind of like gameplay bugs and glitches and kind of weird animations that you would see every now and then but anyway well, um yeah the, the 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 problem with that is and um and I cuz I don't want to I don't want like beat be the dead horse on this the problem with that is I Andromeda came out in March of 2017 mm-hmm. by the time by the time they got through of all their patches and stuff you know like I said I had lost interest in the game so I had already moved on to something else um, and I want to say, I want to say the game I wound up moving on to, like during, uh, you know, like after that, uh, was probably, um, I want to say it was, um, shoot. I think the game I moved on to was, uh, well, it wasn't, wasn't called Call of Duty Infinity Warfare had, did come out. Um, was it oh, like that a- was, a, that, that was a DLC, uh. Oh, the Switch came yeah. out that year. Like you didn't move on to the, Breath of the Wild or anything, the, or this? Nope, nope. I have Breath of the Wild, but that was I. I still haven't played that. Uh, Resident Evil Seven came out. Um, I know for sure that wasn't a game that I was. I wound up playing something else. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> you know, after the whole Mass Effect thing. You know, it was right. kind of it was it was kind of one of those things. Shoot, I can't remember what it was though. Like mm-hmm. shoot, I but, stuck with I it. Mean, I stuck with cause it. Because wait, because wait, didn't Horizon come out? Yeah, Horizon came out that that year. Breath of the Wild came out that year. Um, okay, so Persona Five. Uh, shoot, I know something jumped. Oh, the Tekken Seven came out that year. Oh, that okay, I right. that, I know, and Tekken Seven came out the day before my birthday. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so that that wound up that wound up where I wound up spending a lot of my time at you know until um until like until like the uh, until like Uncharted Lost Legacy came out Uncharted Lost Legacy came out and then that got me off of Tekken for a hot minute. Man, you really remember 2017 a lot better than I did. All I remember is I, pu- I, I pulled a, I pulled up a, I pulled oh, okay. up a list. All right, there I pulled a list of the other of releases. I I, I I well I had to I, I yeah I had to because I was like there was something that got me to that was something that basically like I was like I'm kind of done with Mass Effect right now. Mm-hmm. What did I move on to? because 2017 was a pretty was a pretty was a pretty solid year yeah but no it was actually. Enough, enough of andromeda though that's not what we're here to talk about tonight yeah <laughs> so this is standard definition the place where the gang from the boss rush network basically just you know me and you at this point uh talk about video games movies television and music entertainment if you are one of our patrons you can check out the show early on patreon patreon.com slash boss rush network or on youtube podcast services or our website two weeks later for free. Leave us a five-star review or a three-star review or a four-star review. I mean, any kind of... Don't. I shouldn't just, have to just, tell just, you... Just review us. Just review us. So, I mean, if you, if you like us a lot, give us a five-star review. If you don't like us, don't leave a review. <laughs> just kind of just say, you know what? I'm not a fan, and then just move on with your life. Like most things people should be doing in their life. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're if you're not a fan, maybe suggest how we can give you some fan service. Yeah, exactly. Uh, leave us a five star review uh, if you really like us on iTunes and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Remember, you can find all of our content on BossRush.net. So we're talking news, editorials, banter pieces, so much content on there. So, anyway. And of course, and of course, our 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 plethora of podcast shows. Yes. Oh yeah, we got we got Xbox show, we got a Nintendo show, PlayStation show, we got variety shows. You got After Dark, where you guys just talk about penises and boobs all day, all night. Um, wait, wait, last, wait, last time you were on After Dark, you talked about penises. Yeah, I know. That's why I mentioned that. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you made, you made me and Corey cringe, but you talked about them, bro. I had to tell the story. 
<laughs> and and all the while, Stephanie was just there, fascinated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, girl, can you rein in your excitement? <laughs> I know, no kidding. Hey, that's what that's what she may have to look forward to if she dates some sixty year old dude when she's older. And you know, I mean, listen, listen. If you're listening to this episode and you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, you're just gonna become have one to, of our patrons. Become one of the patrons. Listen to the Boss Rush Network uh, after dark segment, where yeah. Anyway, we're going to leave you with just that. So, <laughs> Mass Effect. This came out in 2007. And this was the original, right? 2007? Yeah. Um, 2007, yeah. It was a Xbox exclusive at first because most of BioWare's titles were Xbox exclusive at the time. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic, Jade Empire, and yeah, Mass Effect. And I don't think they became multi-platform really until Dragon Age Origins. I think Dragon Age Origins came out shortly after Mass Effect, and that was multi-platform, right? It was multi-platform? Yeah, because I, I bought it for uh, the PS3. Okay. All right, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I, Wait, Origins Origins was the first game or the second or, game? Origins was the first game. It was the first game? Okay. Yeah. I literally had okay, it so, for the PlayStation 3. Okay, so by that point, they they had left, they they wound up like their their uh, their partnership with Microsoft had ended by that point? Yeah, because I thought I, I thought it was like, after I thought it was after Mass Effect Two that their partnership ended. No, um, I think it, it it must have been. Um, when did EA buy Bioware? Yeah, uh, in October two thousand seven, EA announced that it had purchased Bioware and Pandemic Studios at the time. R. Wait, R. wait, wait, wait. R. So R. wait, so wait, so October of two thousand seven. Is when they is when EA purchased Bioware. Yes, because Mass Effect came out November sixteenth of two thousand seven. Yeah, so maybe that makes sense why Bioware was maybe more make more so making exclusive stuff for the Xbox. So it was after mm -hmm. this that Dragon Age came out multi platform, and then Mass and then Effect of course, two. Mass Effect two. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of interesting the way that worked out. Yeah, so. yeah. I didn't even realize it. I thought, I thought, I thought it was after Mass Effect Two that that they that that they went multi-platform because Mass Effect Two, because I don't think Mass Effect Two even showed up, you know, simultaneous. I don't think it was a simultaneous release for Xbox and PS3. I think it. I think Mass Effect Two came out like three months later on PS3. Was it that soon? I don't know. I want. I, I want to say. I want to say it was. Well, maybe it was. Maybe it was a little bit later. Like I don't. Don't quote me on that because I do know. Like the major. The major thing they had to do was they had to make that that interactive comic mm -hmm. for people who, for people on PlayStation who yep. had never had a chance to play the first game. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Um. God, I'm trying to think. Okay, so in 2010, Bioware released Mass Effect Two, and um, let me Google. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now, actually. Okay, January 6, 2010. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Hmm. PS3 came out in 2011. In 2011. Okay, all right. That, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. my search didn't pop up right. Okay, so it was almost yeah. a year. Yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of the history of Bioware. Uh, <laughs> in a nutshell <laughs> so there's th th there's a lot that has gone on since so we're gonna stay out of that for at least for these episodes so we're just gonna let's, let's get to talking about mass effect dude <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah 
that's what we came. So, in the year 2148, explorers on Mars discovered the remains of an ancient spacefaring civilization. In the decades that followed, these mysterious artifacts revealed startling new technologies enabling travel to the furthest stars. The basis for this incredible technology was a force that controlled the very fabric of space and time. They called it the greatest discovery in human history. The civilizations of the galaxy called it Mass Effect. There you go. I was hoping you'd kind of catch that. <laughs> so that is literally the intro to the game. Uh, yeah. Sets up the sets up the kind of universe in a nutshell. So the story of Mass Effect actually starts on, on this age when space exploration is kind of a thing. You know, no one's really humanity's not really going that much further outside of the solar system. But on Mars, they discover these ruins of an ancient civilization, like what was mentioned in the intro. And that ancient civilization was the Protheans. Protheans were a space fearing race well over 50,000 years ago, and they mysteriously vanished, kind of like the, the Aztecs. They just kind of vanished from history, and we don't know what happened to them. So they had technology well beyond what humanity had at this point. So they reverse-engineered all of it and created some of the best space fleets, the best spaceships they could find, and then they started finding these, quote, mass relays within the universe that could literally slingshot them from galaxy to galaxy to galaxy, and that's when they started finding different races and different alien species. And, yeah, there's so much that happens before the events of Mass Effect 1. Like, um, one of the biggest things was the Turian Wars. The humanity was at war with the Turians, and they call it the First Contact War. Because mm -hmm. it, 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 was, it was humanity's first time making contact with another alien species at that point. Yeah, and the Turians, their response to everything is just to fucking kill it. So, because the, the, like the Turian race is, uh, alien race is very militant. So, um, yeah, but we're not going to get through that. There are comic book series, there's books, graphic novels, and even codex entries found in the game that detail events that happened before and in between certain events of the game. So that's, you know, there's definitely stuff, other content to consume. And for reference, we actually pulled a lot of the information from masseffect.fandom.com. So it's a big fandom website that has everything you want to know about Mass Effect. And there's an IGN article that kind of, uh, an IGN wiki that shows a lot of the major choices that we pulled from. So, Yeah, it's 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 crazy, though. Like, you mentioned the Protheans, though. Like, because um, cause I don't know why I never put, like, put, like, two and two together. Like, man, like, the Protheans were, the Protheans were the shit for their, for their cycle. Yeah. They, they were because, like, because like their reach their reach hit all four corners of the Milky Way galaxy. Yeah, and they they had a literal empire. Yeah. And yeah. Th th there's a lot we don't know about that Prothean civilization until we get to 3. Mm -hmm. Which where you actually resurrect or wake up a pro a live, uh, a yeah, a, yeah, a living breathing yeah, Prothean. We're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves though. Yeah, we are. We are. So so yeah, uh, you know, I think we are. I think we were the perfect people from Boss Rush to handle this, though. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a fucking sci-fi nerd. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I am, you yeah. know. And 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 the one thing, the one thing I will say about this, and and if you're listening right now, and you've never you've never thought about Mass Effect, if you like science fiction, if you like choose your own adventure style gameplay, and if you like 
And if you like just like being buried in lore, this is your franchise. This is your franchise. Yeah, it really is. Uh, There's so many different, so much content to consume just in listening to conversations, uh, even like asking questions and even just codex entries. You'll find diaries or you'll find written text, Uh, even like some of the commercials and like, you know, things that you see or, you know, walking even through like the market on the Citadel, so to speak, like. There's there's such a deep living breathing world that Bioware created. It's just amazing, and yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm a sci-fi nut, and I like I like things to be explained to me. I don't like, you know, science fiction movies saying, "Well, that works just because that's the way it is." Yeah, same here. You same know? here. And conveniently, they threw in this whole Element Zero uh, thing and Mass Effect relays that are made with this, you know, Ezo as they call it in the game that kind of explain a little bit of their interstellar space travel and all that stuff and, you know, gravity fields and whatever. I think in three, uh, was it uh specialist trainer has mm-hmm. like a toothbrush with like little tiny mass effect fields in it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so she was losing, she was losing her mind cause she thought she lost it. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But, uh, yeah, the, so the, um, there's so much that, this element zero and mass effect stuff explains in terms of what the technology is like at this point. So it's, if you're a big lore nut, yeah. Like Laurent says, yeah. this is definitely up your alley. So this is, this is, this is it. Yeah. So the gameplay plays like a third person action adventure game, you know, with RPG like elements and mass effect one was more RPG like than the following two. Uh, and, uh, basically it, it required you to, you know, complete objectives, make kills, uh, you're leveling up and then you're getting points, you know, XP that you can divvy up to various skills and abilities and whatever. And the biggest thing about this game is that you're engaging in a lot of narrative conversation with other characters and you can respond. And there's certain instances where you can respond a very particular way that could change a relationship or change a story beat. Mm-hmm. And they divide it to Paragon and Renegade. So Paragon is like the good choice where like you're being the nice guy and the bad choice Renegade where like you're just being the bad choice. Sometimes you're being a dick, but sometimes sometimes people need it. <laughs> you must have read my mind right there because yeah. I was thinking it was I was thinking of a particular incident, which <laughs> we'll save for later. Yeah. So I want I have I have a very interesting statistic that I wonder if you're going to be surprised at. Um, I don't know how they how they found this out, but I imagine you know it's one of those things you know when you sign that when you click that user agreement at the beginning of the game to say like mm-hmm. oh hey you know I allow EA to use my data and cookies and stuff like that whatever they're watching you they're watching how you play. Yeah. And what Bioware found out is that ni- over 90% of Mass Effect players were Paragon. I, I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. Because, I, I don't doubt it. Because some of, the, some of the Renegade choices are like, man, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. They, there's, no, there's some stuff that's like, ooh, like you're, you're a cold-hearted bastard for doing that. You know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Jeez. Like, why would do that? God, I don't want to make him do that. Like, there's times where it's like, you know, your characters are like talking to you and you're like, hey, I really like this 
relationship that we have going. I really appreciate you. And you can tell them to fuck off. Like, oh, God, yeah. I don't want to tell them that. They just opened up to me. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's 90%. What, yeah, it, it's it's over. I mean, there was a tweet, I think, uh, John uh, Ebinger. Uh, uh-huh. I think he was one of the developers. The He said 92%. Oh, wow. And that's like, uh, but you know what but you know I don't doubt it because like because like every time I t- every t- I talk to a lot of people that you know when I find out someone's played Mass Effect like I have like we we talk and it's very funny how very how we have very similar tracks you know yeah. like like most people's most people's tracks diverge like when it's time for like the big finale that's you and and every game has a big finale every Mass Effect game has a big finale I'm not just talking about the big finale for the entire trilogy I'm yeah. talking about a big finale for every game and it's funny how like basically everybody's path tracks until you get to the very final choice of the game mm-hmm. yeah and we'll <laughs> we'll definitely talk about one because that's it's a very specific there, there's a very yeah. specific choice you have to make and we'll We'll obviously get to that at some point. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I would say the whole Paragon and Renegade thing is actually probably the most notable feature, and the most recognizable feature that's in the game. Where like you have the little wing icon that shows up as a Paragon Paragon option, and then uh, Renegade as a dark red you know star or whatever. And yeah, depending on how you play, you know, the more Renegade choices you make, the more Renegade your reputation becomes. And then the more renegade options you can have, and it's the same with Paragon. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's sometimes there's particular instances in the story where like, um, you can diffuse a combat situation by just talking your way out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, even like what we talked about before, where like you can go to, you can go to stores, and then you could throw a Paragon option at them, and then they can give you a discount. So there's, there's or sometimes they give you, or sometimes they give you a discount if you go renegade. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes yeah. if you kind of just slam your fist on the table and just, I, mean, I don't know, I've never played renegade. It's funny because I played these games multiple times and I always went paragon because I, 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 I'm not, ab- I, I, I was not absolute paragon, mm-hmm. but I mean, every now and then I would, I would, I would tip over to the dark side just for certain events but yeah. but primarily my playthrough was 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 paragon i think the reason why i straddled the line is because i learned somewhere early like if you that if you that if you keep yourself kind of kind of open like you you get to see all the choices for every scenario you encounter and that's and that's a big thing too like um like like every encounter every encounter you have even even if it's even if it's the most inconsequential not npc in the game like every encounter you have has consequences yes Yes. And that could be, you know, a wide range of different consequences. And some of them could be groundbreaking where, you know, certain parts of the game or certain other conversations are locked or that could, you know, a lot of things could affect the ending of the game, even to the point where a lot of the decisions that you make in this game. And we'll talk about a couple in particular that actually transfer over to Mass Effect 3. And this is where playing the whole trilogy straight from the beginning is such a experience because literally every choice you make matters in the end. Like we're talking like Mass Effect Three. Um, it doesn't change the final final ending, but you know, it does have it does have its rolling consequences. So anyway, um, so let's talk about the let's talk about the mainline events. You're part of a, you're part of the crew of the SS Normandy, right? SR Normandy. The SR, yeah. Yeah. 
And it's like this really cool spaceship designed by a uh, humans, Turians. Yeah, it's like a human I think that's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the yeah, the alliance, the alliance consists of the humans the the humans and the Turians. Yeah. And there's some people on your ship that don't necessarily like that because, you know, aliens are bad and aliens are stupid and humans are better. Racism. But it exists in space. Yeah. So yeah. you go to you get a report of an attack on Eden Prime, which is a human colony. And no one really cares about human colonies at this at this stage of the universe, because I think this takes place in 2180 something or whatever. So this is like 40 years after humanity's entered the space race. And while you're there, you end up finding out Saren, this specter. I think it's a special tactics and uh, reconnaissance. Hang on, I'll, I'll hang on. I'll pull all this stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> while you while you go through while you go through the motions. So yeah, there's a there's a group of like kind of like special soldiers within the kind of like universe council called Spectres, and I think it's like special tactics and reconnaissance. Whatever it's it's honestly really close to what what okay. what uh what um what stars were and uh, what what they called themselves in, as the stars in Resident Evil special tactics uh, and rescue squad I special know that one. special tactics and reconnaissance special tactics and that's that's what Spectre is so S P E for special T for tactics and R E for re- reconnaissance clever. so Spectres clever yeah whereas so whereas <clears throat> whereas whereas in Resident Evil it was uh it was a uh, special tactics and uh and rescue yeah and rescue squad or something yeah so while you're there you end up finding out Saren and Nihilus two specters that are there Nihilus sees Saren but Saren is actually kind of part of the invasion force and that's where we get to see our first reaper invading Eden Prime cuz they're there to try to get this beacon a prothean beacon and what happens is obviously um, Shepard interacts with this Prothean beacon and unlocks this vision that he doesn't know what the hell happened, like a bunch of destruction and the alien things dying and whatever. And he unlocks the secret of the Prothean beacon, but Saren doesn't. Saren has to jet because, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to work it. And, you know, I think he just did Shepard just kind of kicked him out of the planet, so to speak. So yeah, Saren Saren tries to interface with it, and he and he gleams something from it, but he doesn't get the same vision that Shepard got. Well, yeah, because I don't think it's unrecognizable. It's not understandable. Like you can't. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of chase that doesn't not not chasing, but that kind of like goes into like further into the story where we need to find a conduit that can translate that. But mm-hmm. yeah. Which I think is also the main reason why Benezia was was part of uh, Saren's group. Yeah, because he needed he needed somebody that had like that had like long long knowledge, you know, of the of the galaxy and the way it worked to try and help him figure all this stuff out. Yeah, and she's another kind of like tragic story because I think she was like a victim of her of her own goodwill. But yeah, um, so after you get off Eden Prime, you go back to the Citadel. Which is the this big old like house ship? <laughs> it's like a huge That's city. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 past being called an outpost. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's a large kind of star shaped uh, nation, whatever, of just civilizations and aliens and species from like all over the planet all converge in this place, and it's like the basically the hub of the entire 
the entire galaxy milky way so to speak so yeah um do you want to kind of talk about when uh what they what happens when they get there yeah sure all right so after the events of we can Prime, swap, we can swap uh, back and forth so like, oh that works yeah. for me that works for me. Okay, so after the events of Eden Prime, like uh like like Shepard Shepard and um and his and his immediate commanding officer, uh, uh Captain Anderson, who uh who I love I, I you know, I love Keith David. Uh especially when he's voice acting. I love oh, him. Yeah. Uh yeah, and so Captain Captain Anderson, you know, basically after the situation goes down on, on Eden Prime, where um where Shepard winds up getting getting hooked with the visions from the uh, from the beacon, they they decide that the best thing to do is to go back to the Citadel and make the report to the Council. They get they get back to the Citadel, and um and the Council is like, uh, no, we're we're not picking up an absolute anything of what you're putting down. Like you're trying to tell us that Saren, cost you know organized an attack. On, on on a um, on an alliance world um, and and all sorts and all just all sorts of stuff is going on. No, Saren is like the number one the number one specter in yeah. the entire organization. The most like, well so respected. The most well respected. Like he gets he gets the job done through any means necessary, basically, and he basically handles all the problems that you know that the council species you know basically wind up with. So the so the the council. Which is made up of which is made up of a, one uh, one Turian, one Solarian, and one and one Asari. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're not they're not quite believing it. And plus, the fact humanity still hasn't really shown proven itself. You know, with the rest of the galaxy traveling species, humanity is in a weird position right now with, with the Council species because, like, they are more we are more advanced than than other species like the Hanar. Uh, the Volus and um, I can't the the big dudes that I can't remember what their names are. <laughs> um, uh, you know the, the like the like the sloth elephant things. Like, oh, yeah, I, the I, ones I, that have to kind of like talk about their uh, the Elcor. The Elcor, Elcor. That's it. Yeah, there we yeah. go. There we go. The Elcor. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Humanity. Right? <laughs> humanity is in, is in a is in a better is in a better standing, and I think it's all because of humanity's proximity to Mars. When when you know us discovering you know like like the the technology that was left over there but uh, but at the same time humanity is like making making very very fast moves you know throughout the throughout the throughout the chain well, humanity is like a teenager where they want to grow up yeah. a little bit too fast and everyone's <laughs> like well whoa whoa yeah. chill <laughs> yeah yeah so so basically the council is having a hard time believing them because like number one like you know like you're trying to tell us that like our best guy is like a bad guy yeah. You know, we haven't seen anything like this, but yeah. So basically they shoot down the idea. They shoot down the idea that, you know, like what we, what we saw in Eden prime is what we saw. Like, and they're also, then they're almost trying to blame us for the fact that Nihilus was killed in the exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so, so at this point, Shepard, Shepard gets, uh, gets, gets orders from ambassador Udina, um, who basically he's the represent, he's the representative of earth, for the council, even though technically Earth doesn't have a seat on the council just yet, mm-hmm. uh, he gets orders from Udina and, and Anderson combined, like, "Hey, like the council's not going to budge until we give them some type of proof and stuff like that." So basically, the 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 mid the major opening part of of Mass Effect starts off on the Citadel. Like yeah. we think Eden Prime is just the prologue; the Citadel is the first act. <laughs> uh, and so basically, it's at this point where you're trying to go, where Shepard and his crew. Are trying to gather clues. Um, at this point, it's Shepard um, as well as uh, in, uh, Caden Alinko, uh, who is a who is a biotic, which basically to 
basically is like it's like space wizards. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically, and then we, like space magicians. Yeah. Yeah. And then um and then um and then and then Chief Ashley Williams. I almost I almost gave her a promotion, but she hasn't gotten promoted yet. No. Chief Ashley Williams, who is who's a who's a who's a lone survivor from from a mis- from from a from a from a rescue team on Eden Prime. Uh, we we find her and she's about to get she's about to get her shit wrecked yeah. by the Geth, and we rescue her just in time. But uh, a funny thing about about Ashley, she don't trust she don't trust and like other aliens. Nope. <laughs> there was a uh, th- th- there was a line that I he- just heard recently, and I I've played through this game multiple times, um, and I saw her w- walking through the Citadel at this point. Like sometimes they'll engage in banter. She said mm-hmm. something. She's like, I can't tell the difference between the aliens and the animals in the Citadel. And I, I was like, yes. I was like, I, damn. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, girl, the, the aliens are the ones who are walking on two feet. Yeah. <laughs> like, geez. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, you know what she was trying to get at. You know that sounds like that sounds like all the, that good old boy stuff that we hear. You know, in in passing. You know, like when we're at a Walmart or Seven yeah. Eleven. No, no, I've always, <laughs> I've always heard the phrase. You know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, you know, and that like that phrase always kind of like tips me off to just say shut up, just shut yeah. up. You know, but yeah, Ashley has yeah. her redeeming qualities, but there's not enough to not, not enough almost to excuse that, but not enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so Shepard and his crew, Shepard and his and his crew are on the Citadel. They're trying to unravel the, the they're trying to get more information to unravel the mysteries. Uh, as they as they're doing their investigation and stuff, uh, they 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 learn word of like three key key characters that are on the Citadel right now. Uh, the first one is a, is a Krogan by the name of Rex. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually he's actually at at CSEC, which is Citadel Security. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at CSEC right now, being harassed because he's actually there on on nefarious uh, on nefarious means trying to get something done. I won't spoil that for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's from Rex that you learn that that you that you learn that another another uh, member uh, another alien is out there, a Quarian named Tally. Uh, and she's out there because she has information that, that is vital to what he needs to Krogan's uh, uh, Rex is out there as a bounty hunter right now. Mm-hmm. So she has information that he needs to fill a bounty <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. So, so yeah, so there's that, but also you hear, you hear right before Shepard Anderson and Udina go to talk to the council and to, to start saying like, Hey, like your boy, Saren's up to no good. Uh, they also catch wind of Garrus who Garrus is like Garrus is like the he's like the galactic homeboy. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is the number one homeboy of homeboys. Yeah. Yeah. Garrus is talking to one of his superiors right before Shepard meets with the council and he's letting him and and they catch wind to the fact that Garrus doesn't trust Saren. So it's like, hell yeah, this is this is the guy you want in your squad right here, right? Yeah, because yeah. even Garrus is like, wait a minute, you don't trust Saren too? Come on, bring it in. <laughs> You're exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um so basically, so basically learning about Rex, you figure out that hey, we need to get Garrus on our side as well, but mm-hmm. also we need to find we need to find Tally because like whatever she's got is important enough that if we do this right, we get the council on our side. Yeah. So so you go, you go and hilarity ensues because because Rex 
while trying to Rex while trying to rescue Telly almost burns the mission for you (laughs) and pisses off Udina in the process. (laughs) But you actually get what you need. You actually get what you need because you rescue Tally. They rescue Tally in time, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't know. Like, can you botch that? I I think if, I think if you botch that, it's a game, it's an immediate game over. If you don't rescue Tally in time, is it a game over? I think so. Because I mean, the information that she has is pretty vital to your next. Isn't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I least, see. I never botched. I never botched the mission. I never did either. Yeah. But I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. know you can. I, you can elect to not pick up Rex, and you can elect to not pick up Garrus. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which. I don't understand why anyone. I don't do understand that, why which, you'd want to do that either. But. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, know. So, I know um, they give you that choice, but it just seems silly. Yeah. So after you rescue, after you rescue Tally, um, Tally actually has she. She was able to. She was able to co-opt one of the Geth. That the the Geth is an, is a is a is a robotic species that was created by the Quarians. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be a. They were supposed to be a servant. A servant. Uh, I, I was going like to say helper servant robots. Race, yeah. 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 They were. <laughs> yeah. They were. Whoa, whoa. They were. They were. They were. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> were, were going to be a, a helper helper robots for the Quarian species, but the Geth wound up. Getting the Geth wound up accidentally getting artificial intelligence. Like yeah. it was never, it was never the design of the Quarians to build AI into the Geth. But the Geth wound up like basically like picking it up and figuring it out on their own. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, and when that happened, a war started between the Quarians and and their and their creations, the Geth, which which wound up getting having the Quarians getting forced off their home world and living as nomads in space. Yeah. So the but the Geth are also part of the attack force that Saren is using. Um, and so when we get when we actually get with Tally, we find out that Tally is actually was able to actually download information from a Geth that she had disabled. And the Geth had the Geth had a recording of Saren talking about talking about everything about Eden Prime, bringing it down, as well as as well as something about the Reapers and this thing called the Catalyst. Mm-hmm. Wait, was it the Catalyst? No, that was uh, the the cipher. The cipher, yes, I think that, was that. It, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and also, and also, as a bonus in that recording, you learn about Matriarch Benezia, who who we find out is Liara Tassoni's mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and so that's kind of where the, that's kind of where yeah. all these, all those, all, all that, and that information basically sets up the next three missions that you could do, kind of in any order. Yeah. Yep. So they bring all this information to the council. The council's like, oh. Okay, you guys weren't lying. Sarah, Saren is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go ahead and strip him of his. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and strip him of his. Uh, of his specter status. But but the council's also like, we need to shut y'all the fuck up. So can y'all go look for this guy? <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna do it. But can you do it? <laughs> they just they basically do not want Shepard and his crew on the remaining on the Citadel being troublemakers, saying, hey, there's a there's a bad guy out there. Yeah, and I think that's that's right where they make Shepard a specter. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because one one of the main reasons why one of the main well before before there was an attack on Eden Prime, like like the Normandy was doing a shakedown run uh, to Eden Prime, but the shakedown run was actually a disguise for the fact that they were actually there to pick up uh, the Prothean beacon that had been uncovered there. Mm-hmm. Just so happens, and all and uh, while on this, uh, basically. Shepard and Nihilus. Nihilus was there to evaluate Shepard because yeah. Shepard was – he did not know it at the time, but Shepard was actually being put into the program to become a Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Shepard gets made a Spectre. 
humanity gets one step closer to getting a, getting a, getting a seat on the council because like only citadel races have specters. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Shepard was the very first human specter, and it, yes. I, we end up finding out later that uh, Anderson was uh, slated was, to be a specter. He was the first. He, Anderson was the very first candidate yeah. Earth had. And this is where him, we, we, we start to hear her stories about him and Saren just having really bad blood because they were partners at some point. But like Saren was always about the mission. He didn't care about collateral damage. Um, and he actually was really against Anderson. So he set up, there was like particular circumstances where he set up Anderson to take the fall for something and that he lost his chance at becoming a specter. Yeah. But. Yeah, so uh, so so basically, like now, Shepard has a mission for the for both the council and humanity. Uh, mm-hmm. Need to go go hunt down go hunt down Saren. Also, get as much information as you can about the Reapers because now the council is not believing that there's a, there's another another race of anything. And let me tell you, they you know, don't believe there. you up until the third game, where all of a sudden they're like, "Hey, why are all our spaceships blowing up spontaneously in space?" And Shepard's like. <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> like, bitch, I done told you. <laughs> I've been told you how many times? And they're like, how much time we got? Like, you don't. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so, uh, so this so, is where so, the game kind of splits off into three because you have three leads. You have yeah. a person that you have to rescue that can decipher that Prothean data that you have on your head. You can chase down Matriarch Benezia, who's on a mission on Novaria who was on the recording and then you could chase down this um what do we say it was a cipher that was supposed to be on pharos yeah and there was a report of the human colony there something was happening to those people <laughs> so, yeah something was happening something was happening so you could take all these in order but i do want to kind of start talk about liara because this is Liara is Matriarch Benizia's daughter. Now, it's it's beneficial if you care about Liara, which a lot of people say Liara is like the best bae, whereas Garrus is like the best bro. The best bro, yeah. You know, and Liara, you know, I, I almost think like if you're going to go after Matriarch Benezia on Novaria, you want Liara with you. So a lot of times you go to this Prothean dig site, Liara is trapped in this bubble, and these mercenaries are trying to go after her. And naturally, these mercenaries are working for Saren, and Saren. they want to capture her because she is a very, she's a very young Asari, but she knows very, she's a big student of Prothean technology and Prothean data. And, and, stuff like that. and they're also, and they're, and they're also under the understanding that if they have Liara, given that Matriarch Benazi is also with with them, like mm-hmm. Liara would just automatically fall in line and work work with them as well. Yeah, exactly. Since it was so easy for Matriarch Benazi to do that, but. I don't know if that would have worked. Who knows? But I uh, yeah, I don't I don't know either because um because knowing what we well we we will talk more about Benazia's situation when we talk about Novaria. Yeah, because Novaria isn't necessarily much of a like honestly on Novaria you're spending so much of that time on on the Mako. <laughs> yeah, and uh besides like the third person action combat, there's a lot of driving combat. Like you're landing on planets with this tank like thing that's got six wheels and just controls terribly. But yeah, still it's it, fine. It, flo- it, it floats more than the tanks. Yeah, exactly, and it climbs literally vertically, straight up mountains. You could well, do it. That was kind of that was kind of cool. Yeah. but <laughs> but you could. Maybe maybe it had miniature mass relays in it. Yeah, so <laughs> ma- 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 mass relay fields or something. 
Yeah, it's got Mass Effect fields on its tires or something. Yeah. So here's the thing about Asari, because the reason why she's so important and the reason why that she can uh, decipher all this Prothean data that you have in your head is that Asari do this mind-blending thing with other races where they basically... It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's like they create this like mind jack connection and they can kind of feel your thoughts and like feel your emotions and feel feel with you, like almost like a shared consciousness. So Liara, being a Prothean student and an Asari, can actually mind jack into Shepard's brain to help decipher the data. But um, after rescuing her, you find out she really can't because there's so much... She's- She's too young. Yeah, she's too <laughs> Basically. young. And there's not enough data to really decipher what it all means. So this is where the information comes about this uh, cipher that you need to find, which you end up finding on Pharos. But uh, I don't know if you wanted to talk about Novaria because Novaria is actually where one of the first big major choices that you need to make yeah. fall in line. As a matter yeah, as a matter of fact, Novaria, like immediately after immediately after you pick up uh, Liara, like I would definitely recommend that you go to Novaria first. Novaria is an ice planet, and um, and and it's uh, I can't remember the corporation that's um, that basically has its foothold on that. Is that but, ex- um, is that Exogeny or am I thinking of Pharos? I think yeah, I think it's Exogeny. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So um, so and basically. They're they're basically if if there if there's such thing as a stock exchange, you know, in in that in that universe, that that galaxy, that 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 franchise, that would be Novaria, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and that would be Exogeny because they basically control like a lot of the commerce and stuff like that. Uh, so like a lot of stuff, you know, like research and development happens on this planet. Uh, you know, military military movements happen on this planet. Everything big, financial stuff goes down there. Everything big goes down there. So you wind up on you wind up getting Novaria. Mm-hmm. And you do find out that Benizia is there, but because but because of the situation with the planet Novaria itself and like how the politics go on that planet, you just can't you just can't roll up there and arrest her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so the first thing, so the first problems that Shepard and his crew encounter is the fact that they got they have to find a way to get to get to Benizia without making it a galactic incident. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that they wind up getting um getting some help from like the 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 the, the, the chief of security out there. Uh which um her name is like Parsini Jean uh Jean, Gianna Jean Parsini Bissa- or something like Gianna that. Gianna B- Yeah some, it's Par- something Par- Parasini. Parasini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. She's like, hey, she's like, listen, the guy who runs this whole situation is crooked. If you can get me some information on him I'll give you whatever you need to track down Benezia. And that so guy's Lor- that guy's Laura Quinn, right, or something like that. Like yes. he's the Turian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, sorry. he's he's a uh, he's a Salarian. He's a Salarian. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Salarian. So yeah, so so once you fulfill that request, like you uh, like Shepard and his crew get full reign. She tells them she tells them exactly where they go, which she's on, which they're in a facility on top of a mountain. <laughs> no, 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 no. Laura Quinn is a Turian, but he kind of he kind of gives you more information. I'm trying. I, I'm forgetting who the Salarian is that you're talking about. But uh, crap. Um, shoot, I I I can't remember. Uh, I'll try. I'll try and look it up. Analeas. <laughs> Analeas. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right. 
So once you bring down Analeas, then you get full the, then you get full access to what's called Peak 15. Now, what's interesting about Peak 15, right before you guys take off for Peak 15, uh, you you find out that ben, that Benezia traveled to Peak 15 because there was a situation out there and they've lost all communication with it, and it's almost to the point where they're treating it almost like it's a nuclear incident. Mm-hmm. So 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 the so basically the the corporation on Novaria is like. We don't want to deal with this. So you guys, if you're stupid enough to go up there, go. Yeah. <laughs> so like that. So you wind up, you get to, you get to peak 15, and you get to the, uh, to the facility up there, and all sorts of shit is just not, not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, you, you end up finding, uh, finding Rachni. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah. Like space spiders. An, an alien species that had, what, what was eradicated what like like over 200 years ago. Yeah, like, and it was eradicated had, by the Krogan. Which yeah, humanity hasn't even seen Rachni. Yeah, <laughs> humanity never saw Rachni because because the Krogans, the Krogans, the Salarians, and the Turians wiped them out. Yeah, but actually, it was mostly actually the Krogan. It was yeah, mostly the Krogans the, because the uh, Krogans could populate very quickly, very easily, and they're they're basically walking tanks. Yeah, and when the Salarians and the Turians thought they could use the Krogan to help defeat the Rachni and drive them out. They bred them like crazy, but of course, naturally, they, afterwards, they found out that there's too many Krogan and they're a menace to the galaxy. So, they instituted mm-hmm. the Genophage, which we'll talk about more so when we get to Vermeer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so basically, the uh, so basically, they're out there and they're getting attacked by this this alien bug species that humanity's never seen before but if you happen to have rex in your team rex is like this isn't right yeah <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right nothing so- nothing should be like this if you have rex and liara on your team they will give you they will give you a lot of lore as you go as you travel through peak 15 and stuff like that and um, i always forget that because i always bring i bring garris with me every time and i bring I garris was- with me every time too i always forget I, you know, you know. Normally, my my team consists of Garrus and um and Tali. Yeah. Is either Garrus and Tali, Garrus and Caden, <laughs> or um, or, you know, or if I absolutely know that I need like Liara or um or Liara or Rex, that's when I'll take them. <laughs> okay, so it's like pretty much you take Garrus with you all the time. <laughs> like I I hardly ever take Ashley. <laughs> uh, yeah. Same. Same. <laughs> all right. All right. So once so so. So two things, two major things happen on uh, at peak fifteen. At peak fifteen, at peak fifteen, you discover that Matriarch Benezia was there to cool off the situation. They lost containment of their rachni that they were breeding. Mm-hmm. But not only did they lose containment of the rachni they were breeding, they lost containment of the rachni queen that they resurrected and stuff like that. But first, before you get through all that, you have to go through Metra Benezia, who is a very capable and talented Asari, like uh, Asari, like warrior. Like yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, she does the combat with her was was is it, it's a little chaotic, but it's because she's causing the chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And she yeah. kind of indoctrinates her soldiers because she has an Asari commando unit with her. And yes. I think she literally controls them with her powers. She has these powers of indoctrination that yep. she kind of forces them to do her will. Which is which is sad because like because like that's that's the that's the tragedy of Benezia because the time that she spent with with uh with, with Saren um on Sovereign, which by the way Sovereign, that's a that's a spaceship, but it's all this Saren spaceship, but it's also a Reaper. Yeah, yeah, 
It's yeah, the one. It's spoiler. the one doing the indoctrinating, so to speak. It's, yeah, it's a sentient yeah. spaceship, so to speak. Yeah. So the time that she spent in proximity to Saren and uh, and and uh, Sovereign, she's become indoctrinated, and she didn't realize that she was. Well, she kind of knew she was doing it, but she never had the will to fight it until if you have Liara mm-hmm. out there, like that's when she puts up the biggest fight she can against the indoctrination. Yeah. So basically, basically you uh, basically you you uh, uh, Benazia gets killed. You have to kill her. You have mm-hmm. to take her out because that is that is Saren's right hand yeah. at that point. And that's the um, only way she knows that she can. I mean, when she breaks and talks to Liara, she says, this is the only way to break the indoctrination is to kill me. Yeah. She's pleading with yeah. her own daughter. And that's kind of sad when you think about it, because it's like, you know, oh, it's a nice family reunion. But eh. bye, bye, mom. Bye, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so as and as soon as you deal with the Benezia problem, then you then you immediately have to figure out what you guys are going to do with the Rachni Queen. Um, and like I said, if you have Rex with you on the on the squad, Rex is not a fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but this is one of your first major choices that you make for this game that actually has repercussions throughout the rest of the franchise. Yeah. This is and, where you uh, have to decide if you want to space the Queen and kill them and their entire race, or if you're not if you're not a murder a mass murderer you basically let them think, go well what what kind of swayed me to to make the choice to let them let them live was the fact that because they resurrected this queen and uh, they they resurrected this queen and um, and even though even though the Rachni have like a racial memory that's passed down you know as new generations have spawned and stuff mm-hmm. this was the this was technically the original queen that was that was re- that was cloned and resurrected yeah. and the queen and the queen speaking through like another cuz like they also have telepathic, uh, like influence. Yeah, but she they call it like through. songs. I think that, that that's yeah. how they kind of refer to it. Like when they're, they they say like they, it's like kind of like mind telepathy, but it's like through song. I think that's how they the queen exactly describes it. Yeah, yeah, like the the queen uh, is able to like take control of like uh, one of the Asari commandos that you mortally wounded during the fight with Benezia, and she's able to use that commando to speak to to you guys. And she and she and she tells and she tells Shepard right Shepard and crew right there like, listen, like I understand, like we did a terrible thing back during those wars and stuff, but now that I have the the clarity of actually have died and seeing what happens, you know, after that, I realized the will of the the the, what happened in our ways and stuff Mm -hmm. and we are willing to we are willing to uphold the peace right now if you just let what's left of my species live and Mm -hmm. stuff like that that's that speech is actually what swayed me to actually spare the queen and the and the the rest of the rachni that were there same for sure because they were i mean that's the thing the rachni only do what the queen bids because it's that kind of hive mind mentality where you know and then she said that she's like my my children will only do what I say or what I will. And mm-hmm. if I will them to leave humanity and all other races alone, they will do that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if that's part of their species, I have a tendency to believe that. And yeah, they go to the far corners of the galaxy, never to be pretty much heard from again. There is one there is one interesting thing though, and I didn't pick this up until my second playthrough of the game. There's one interesting thing that the queen says to you before you before she leaves after you let them go. She does say that something else is out there singing a song that's that's making everything murky. Yeah. 
yeah, for the and she and she doesn't say the scope of it, but you can kind of tell that she's talking about the entire galaxy. Something is singing a song that's that's clouding like everything that goes on in in the harmo in the harm harmony of the galaxy. Mm. You think that's uh, the Reapers or something like that? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced of it. Like it it took my second playthrough to get it because um because I've only pl- I I'd only played Mass Effect once because like I I played two and three multiple times after after beating them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But one was the hardest one for me to come back to. So it wasn't until this recent second playthrough that I was like, bitch, I missed that. How yeah. did I miss that? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's interesting. I, I I mean, I never thought of it. I know. Yeah, I I. I I do remember that line, but I never really deeply thought about that until you mentioned it. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, she says another. She says there's another force. There's another force out there that's that's singing a song, and uh, and it's and it's and it's making everything like murky. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't. I I did not realize that to my second playthrough. I was like, because uh, because you know like. I, I don't want to get too ahead to uh, get get too far along in this because mm-hmm. uh, we need to talk about we need to talk about we need to talk about Pharaohs. Yeah, right. So you, you get you get this information that uh, there's something happening in Zeus Hope. That's another like kind of like human colony, but like it's run by it's actually this one's actually run by Exogeny. Uh, I ended up having mm-hmm. to Google it. So uh, okay. Exogeny runs this big corporation on Pharaohs and. Um, they actually got a hold of something called the Thorian. You don't find that out until much later into the gameplay because something is mind controlling humans in this. And you're also fighting Geth there too, because the Geth are actually trying to find whatever it is. Exogeny got a hold of and Exogeny got a hold of this creature that is like millions of years old, like this big sentient creature that is like a large plant or something pretty much yeah, yeah pretty much and it actually turns humans into husks and this is kind of where we get a little bit of like husks being like kind of uh exactly what the word basically says. basically basically like they're basically like zombies yeah they're yeah. they're basically zombies but they're zombies that are actually controlled by a, a higher force mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah you're right so yeah. um yeah, they're just kind of like walking zombies, just with I no mean, humanity I mean, I mean, Yeah, 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 ba- yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um, basically, they this company is funding research on this Thorian species and its mind control properties. And what they end up finding, obviously, what they end up finding out is that this Thorian, who communicates to you telepathically as well, is has what is called the cipher. And this cipher is actually what kind of like decide. Well, yeah, basically deciphers the Prothean imagery that Shepard has. Like basically, I, I I'm trying to think. It's it, it's like it's not an actual unit. It's not an actual like piece of machinery. It's literally something that the Thorian telepathically puts into Shepard's brain. Yeah, because one of the things that we didn't talk about was, uh. Everybody communicates with each other and everybody speaks in English, so to speak, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever language it is you set in the in the game. So it's like you wonder, like, how Tyrians can understand humans and how, uh, you know, Asari can understand, you know, Krogan and stuff like that. They have these like chip implants in their ears that are like that deciphers language live. So a lot of times if you were to read Prothean technology or Prothean data, it's completely 
misunderstand, like you can't understand it. So this is where the cipher comes in, and this Thorian creature has it, but the Thorian creature has been corrupted um, by, I think, the Geth. They were there. Was it the Geth? Yeah, the Geth was there. Well, I know the Geth were there, but I thought, but I thought the Thorian was like fighting the Geth. Yeah, because I think the yeah the Geth were trying to do something where they were, uh, um, I, I I guess I'm looking it up. So, uh, so basically, the th- I know for sure the Geth were trying to get the Thorian off planet. They yeah. were trying to do that for sure. I know and they, that, and they wanted to get the cipher. I think that's the main reason. Because yeah. obviously through the, through their data and their research, Saren found out that the Thorian creature has a cipher, so the Geth were sent in to actually take it. But I think the whole like humanity and the colonists getting infected by these, getting zombified, so to speak, um, that's where these Exogenes sp- experiments gone wrong, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it's like Zeus Hope and Pharos as a whole had all these multitude of problems, and of course, naturally, Shepard has to come in and fix it. So, um, yeah, in the end, obviously we find out, uh, the Thorian, this big Thorian creature through this Asari baby, because apparently, um, it created this Asari creature called Shiala. Yep. And that's the thing about the story and that the story can create, I don't know if it could create other species, but like, it, I think it, it, I think it, I think it can. I think yeah. it can because like it, it was cloning people because like Shiala was more like a clone than um than yeah yeah Shiara wasn't necessarily like captured and then the Thorian just sucked it up like Shiala was literally created from the Thorian creature and it's interesting because like she's the one that gives you the cipher she's the one that kind of speaks to you on behalf of the Thorian creature because obviously the Thorian creature doesn't talk per se so um you can actually choose to spare Shiala's life. Or you can kill her right then and there because obviously the Thorians is like bad creature that really shouldn't be, you know, whatever. So um, this is where it's interesting because she actually pops up in the later in, I think, Mass Effect 2 and 3. Yeah. Because she you actually give her a chance to like make up for it because she's the reason why Zeus Hope and all those human colonists are in such dire pain and misery. So she actually says, like, I want to help the people here. I want to help the people on this colony. And she actually does. You actually end up running into her, I think, in Mass Effect 3. And Zoo's hope becomes a, yeah, a, a war becomes, Yep. Yeah. So it's it's kind of cool. I mean, we'll talk more about Mass Effect 3 and all your implications uh, later, but once we get to Mass Effect 3. But, yeah, that's the big thing that happened on Pharos. Uh, afterwards, we get to Vermeer, which is another big decision-making point. Uh, probably one of the biggest ones, because Saren's up to no good on Vermeer. Yeah, I remember. I remember hitting Vermeer. Well, I remember when I was telling some friends, like, "Hey, I'm getting ready to do Vermeer," and everybody was like, "Hey, like this is like this is like one. Of the, this is like the jump off." Right here, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know how serious they meant about that until I actually played through Vermeer. Uh, basically, you get to Vermeer, uh, Nor- the the Normandy crew gets to Vermeer. You when you land, you meet a um, Solarian army, which is which is led by uh, Major Kirahi. Which Kirahi, yeah, I like, I like that dude. I like that dude. We will hold the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like uh, like Kirahi is like, hey, we've been out here for a little bit, and uh, and something's not jiving here. 
<laughs> yeah. So I'm not jiving here. We know Saren's here, but we also we also think that Saren is cloning Krogan's. Can I can I read Kirahe's speech? I have to Google this. Yeah, yeah. He gives this massive speech where you have to do the final push, you know, against Saren's forces. And Captain Kirahe runs like this the special task group or something like that. It's like Solarian special forces. And uh he he gives this speech where it's like kind of like pretty lame, but it's still like, holy shit, man, I'm ready to go. So he's like, you all know the mission. And what is at stake? I have come to trust each of you with my life, but I have also heard murmurs of discontent. I share your concerns. We are trained for espionage. We would be legends, but the records are sealed. Glory in battle is not our way. Think of our heroes, the silent step who defeated a nation with a single shot or the ever alert who kept armies at bay with hidden facts. These giants do not seem to give us solace here, but they are not all that we were. Before the network, there was the fleet. Before diplomacy, there were soldiers. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> Our influence stopped the Rachni, but before that, we held the line. Our influence stopped the Krogan, but before that, we held the line. Our influence will stop Saren in the battle today. We will hold the line. <laughs> so good. That was yeah, that was yeah, that was a speech. I was, I, waiting, I I was waiting my whole life to recite that whole <laughs> that whole thing. So thank you, thank you for giving me that. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Vermeyer. The very first thing you find out in your research is that is that Saren, thanks to the information you got from from Kirahi and his STG force, is that Saren has been cloning Krogans, but these Krogans are completely these well, these Krogans aren't completely uh, cured of the genophage, but they are damn near there. Yeah. So, yeah. the first thing that happens is uh, Rex definitely gets bent out of shape because he's like, "Hey, if there's a cure for what's wrong, what, what's ailing my species?" And by the way, the genophage, the genophage was what. Okay, so the Salarians and the, and the Turian uh, used the used the Krogan to help in the Rachni Wars. Now what now what they did is is interesting because like you don't find this out until Mass Effect Three. But basically, the Salarians, the Salarians are like the science race of uh, of, of the um, of of this universe. Yeah. And yeah. they basically they call they did what was called enlightenment, which basically is a, just a fancy way of saying, hey, we just polluted our we just polluted your your species with our technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So they uplift. Oh, uplifting. I'm sorry. Uplifting. uplifting. Yeah, you're That's right, what you're they right, did. Right. That's yeah, what because I was like, that sounds about right. Because they. Yeah. The Krogan species advanced because of their influence. Of, of their influence, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the mainly the Salarians and and the Salarians are the Salarians will basically they basically come to terms with the fact that they they created a problem, but they created a problem thinking that it was the solution. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So because the, the Krogan, the Krogan were very were, were the Krogan were very primitive when the Salarian and the Turians like did what they did to them and stuff like that. Uh, they basically turned the Krogan into a space rearing spe- a space faring species just so they could fight the, uh, the Rachni for the, for the galaxy. Uh, so, but the problem is, is that the fact that the Krogan actually reproduced much faster than most of the other races in the galaxy, you now had these brutes running around the galaxy. Basically they, they were like, they were basically becoming a new version of space pirates and, yeah. it, and they were becoming a scourge of the galaxy. So the Solarians and the Turians go back to work again, and they and they basically create a virus that basically targets the Krogan. But instead of it being just something that kills them off, it's a little more nefarious because the the genophage basically 
attacks them on a reproductive level to where to where like they they really can't have, have you know create new generations of Krogan. Yeah. Like and- if if women if women become pregnant, they're stillborn or or the or or the babies just never the babies are just never viable, stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and they basically it's a clean way of wiping out a race. I'll say that, you know, me being a science fiction guy, you know, and a, and a person of science, it's a pretty clean way if you're going to wipe out a race, but it's also ooh, it's 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 insidious. Yeah, it really is. And you when when you get the 3, you have a large choice that does affect that. But yeah. obviously we're, you know, we're, we're we're jumping too far ahead, but um yeah, it's like the Salarians developed it and the Turians deployed it. So they all mm-hmm. carry yeah. that they all carry that burden with them. And the, and the and the and the Asari are just like, what the fuck did y'all do? Yeah, like what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny because like even even the council even the council like they argue they argue about that. <laughs> yeah, and the Asari counselor is just like, I didn't make this problem. <laughs> so yeah, once 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 Rex finds out that that Saren is like is like is like inches away from creating a cure to the genophage. Rex starts having a moment where it's like, what am what am I gonna do? Because this could fix this this could fix my this could fix my my entire species and stuff like that. And just and just for this- context sake, just you know, if I don't mind if you don't mind me interrupting, no, no, no Kro- like a, one Krogan can have, a, like in a like say for example, like Krogan have a litter, so to speak. Like they just don't have like one baby or two babies. Like isn't it? Isn't like isn't it? Like, like a 100. litter's like twenty? Like uh, oh, is like a hundred strong? Yeah, they could have they could have up to a hundred. I, I I think that's kind of yeah. like the most, but like. They could Damn. like give birth to like twenty Krogan, twenty to forty. Why did, why did, why did we never see like baby Krogan in the entire in the entire game franchise? Why did we never see? Why did we never see them? I mean, we we didn't see them until three, at the very very end. But true, that's true, that's and, true. But anyway, yeah. All right. So um. So and so basically, Rex is at this point where basically he's starting to make the rest of the crew twitchy, like. Like like Caden Ashley Caden <laughs> Ashley and Kira here like hey you about to have a problem with this guy yeah <laughs> right now <laughs> what, what's wrong with your boy over there he's uh <laughs> you know and and Ashley the racist that she is like let me shoot him can I shoot him please let me shoot him <laughs> give me this opportunity please <laughs> good old Ashley like yep. oh. Yep. <laughs> So basically, so basically, this is one of the situations where, like, where like you're getting ready to lose a permanent member of your squad, but yeah. that's not the kicker. That's not the kicker because in this spot, you you could actually lose two people in your squad. But the whole thing about whether you whether whether Rex survives or not all depends on if you did his loyalty mission before you get to this point in Vermeer. Because if you did not do his loyalty mission, the odds of the odds of him walking away from this alive are very slim. Yeah, very slim because. You could you could attempt to have as much par- paragon uh dialogue choices as possible but yeah doing that loyalty mission is definitely going to help you so that's why when you I always tell people if you're going to do Vermeer do as much of the side content as possible mm-hmm. as much of the side content as possible because Vermeer is definitely a point of the story where there's not a lot you can go back from it's a very major yeah, Ver- story beat Vermeer technically, Vermeer technically is a point of no return without yeah. it actually being the point of no return for the game. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So after after you figure out what after you figure out what you wind up doing with, with Rex, um, so then, it's like you can either you can either kind of like convince him to stand down because he's ready to shoot you. You can mm-hmm. either convince him to stand down 
You could either shoot him yourself if he, if he doesn't calm down or whatever, or just Ashley. Just you can actually signal to Ashley to like take him out, she'll, or she'll snipe him. Or Ashley would just do it. Do it herself, and you're just like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I spare Rex Man. every time because Rex is my boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure who. I'm not sure who has the best one-liners. I'm not sure if it's Garrus or if it's Rex because the one-liners those two bring to the conversation is just hilarious. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rex is. I you know a lot of people say Garrus is. You know their boy. I don't know. I was like, Rex is my boy. Like, he's my guy. Like, it sucks that you, he doesn't become a playable character in two, but that there's a very good reason why. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, um, so once you once you take care once you take care of things, uh, like destroying the facility is the next is the next major thing. But after you destroyed the facility, uh, you get a chance. You you you, you in a in a meet up with Saren because Saren's like trying to like, hey, look, I know you're hunting me down. And I know you think that I'm the bad guy here, but I'm not the bad guy here. And then you and then you start to realize that based off of everything you've heard from from Benezia and from from the Thorian and stuff like this, Saren has been indoctrinated. Yeah. 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 And, and you and don't that, and you really don't find that out until like that final, you know, that that battle where he's on his little hoverboard. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, being all being all cool and I want one of those other boards. Why 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 didn't Shepard get one of those? I know, no kidding. Like, well that you know, that's kind of the interesting thing about the design of Saren is that he is the most unique looking Turian. Yeah. And I think there is a reason why he looks different than everything else, because the upswept parts of the Turian head actually mean something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to research that because I know that I think that comes up at some later point. But he has these kind of like fangs that go sideways on the side of his head. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there is a reason why. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, so so after after finding out, after figuring out that, that Saren's been indoctrinated, you get your first real battle against Saren. Uh, and, and, but that fight against Saren is basically a distraction because uh, because basically the whole planet is about to get nuked mm-hmm. and so and this is where your real your real crisis of conscience comes into play because you've got you you wind up in a situation where shepherd has to order either caden or ashley to to do the deed but doing the deed means they have to hold the line while the rest of the team like depowers the nuke mm-hmm. so at this point you are actually you are actually going to officially lose a member of your squad, and you have and no you know choice. What? And you have no choice, and you know what? I'm sorry, I I had no choice but to let Ashley's ass go. I was gonna say no, you do have a <laughs> choice, and it's always it's always Ashley. Sorry, sorry, Ashley, sorry. It, all right, in well, my not- defense, in in my defense, the reason okay, the reason why I spared Peyton is because. Is because Caden is a legacy. Like when you find out, when you find out talking to him, he's like, he's called an L two. He's a second generation of human biotics, uh, of human biotics. When the experimentation was happening, and the human biotics, like, okay, the way. What I love about Mass Effect is Mass Effect kind of kind of mimics stuff that's happened in real life because like when you hear about when you when you when you hear about what they did they basically exposed children babies in the womb to element zero mm-hmm. to give them the same type of powers that be comparable to the asari and this is our own people that did that this isn't this isn't you know like the galaxy got a hold of these kids this is these are our own people that did that but 
But where Caden's so important is he's called an L2 because he's a second generation. The first generation of kids, they didn't fare really well at all. No. But and the second and the second gens were the first ones that the, that the, that the Earth government decided were viable enough to keep. You know, um, even and though that's they the really still cool had problems. About finding out about these characters because like occasionally you go back to your ship and you can actually interact with a lot of your your shipmates, and that's where you get to really really kind of delve in and really find out who they are. Like you get to find out. I mean, literally. I mean, we we obviously make fun of Ashley because she's racist, but she it, it comes from somewhere, and yeah. she you know she talks a little about a little bit about her grandfather's legacy, especially during the you know the Turian the, Wars, the, the the first the first contact war, yeah. yeah, where she like yeah there there's a reason there's a reason why she had distrust of alien species, and it's all because of the first contact war and like her the fact that her family were direct directly involved in it. Yeah, and her grandfather was the first human general to surrender to the Turians. Mm-hmm. And he was seen as a disgrace when he came back to humanity and it was literally stripped of his stripped of his command and all his uh, all yeah. his accolades and everything like that. So naturally that left Ashley I think a little bit bitter, you know. Yeah. Um but but you but know, it, 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 this is where you you know going back to Caden, this is where you hear a lot about his his upbringing and you know the the torturous school that he was in because he's like yeah. definitely like the L1s didn't fare any better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so my main reason my main reason for like sparing Caden, where I really didn't want to spare Ashley, is because of the fact I feel like Ashley, I feel like I feel like Caden had more, like because because like in your conversation with Caden, you find out that Caden once he gets past the military life, he actually wants to nurture like more and more of the generations, the the current generations that are dealing with ESO exposure and stuff like that. So. It felt it felt like Caden had more purpose than Ashley because Ashley Ashley told you she was born and bred military she was always going to be that way yeah and then you know there's a whole lingering thing or it seems like every time you have the conversation with her she had something off color to say about like another mm-hmm. member of the species she yeah. even questioned she even questions your authority about why you have alien members on board a human ship you yeah. know and stuff like that and I was like you know what I don't dislike you but you have so many dislikable characteristics that. <laughs> Then I'm sorry. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hold the line. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And if you elect to keep it, because like occasionally in some of my playthroughs, I've I I kept her in my recent playthrough, and mm-hmm. I was like, I I'm kind of curious to see how she kind of grows if she does. When you go to in Mass Effect Two, she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, but for well, yeah, but for well, different reasons. Yeah, but for different reasons. Yeah, when you know, in all honesty. In all honesty, they wrote they wrote Caden and Ashley to be two 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 sides of the same coin. Yeah. Because yeah. ultimately, it doesn't it doesn't matter if if Ashley lives and Caden dies, it doesn't matter if Caden dies if 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 if, if wait if Caden dies and, and Ashley lives, it doesn't matter because like they both wind up doing the exact same thing. Yeah. You know. And there's from a very point. and there's a very good reason for it, which obviously we'll talk about it when we get to Mass Effect Two. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, so that's so that's the major thing. Like, you basically, basically, you you win the day, but it, but it, it, but Vermeer cost a lot. Yeah, it cost a it cost a lot because like you know like because like Shepard is very sympathetic. Like he knows that you know like he knows that getting a cure for the genophage would probably be the greatest thing humanity can do for the entire for 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 not just the Krogans, but you know like 
it would actually put it would actually elevate humans to a different status, you know, among the council species. You know, number one, yeah, it's going to piss the Solarians and the Turians off, but yeah, at the same time, you know, uh, you know, like it's going to do something. It's going to show that humanity, you know, humanity may have a, a, a you know have a club fist from time to time, but they also have a gentle hand, you know. Well, and that's the thing, because like you have to prove that humanity is not about humanity. Humanity yes. is about other species, which correlates to the final decision that you're going to make at the at the literal end stage of the game is to like what do you want humanity to represent is humanity selfish in nature where they're only serving to serve themselves or do they want to serve the betterness of the galaxy and trying to help elevate other alien species so that's that's a big question that humanity has to kind of like answer to everybody yeah, and one of the cool one of the cool things about Shepard in the Vermeer mission that actually gained him a lot of cool points with me as a character is the fact that when he was talking to Rex about the whole situation, he was like, "Rex, he's like, this might be a cure for the genophage, but those clone Krogans, they are mindless. They're they're, they're the exact same. They're not Krogan. Yeah. They're they're basic. They're basically just another tool for to use for galactic conquest yeah. and stuff like that. And you know, it's actually those words that actually sway." rex you know mm-hmm. you know like uh, you still have to have done his his loyalty mission yeah. or, or it's gonna go bad like he'll have you'll still get the speech but it's not gonna go good no yeah because but because that's the thing because the krogan have been used as a tool for you know generations and generations and erd not sick of it erd not rex is the type of guy that he wants to elevate the krogan to you know a status where they can actually be a respected species and rightfully so not just you mm-hmm. know given to him one that they have to earn. So he wants to not only cure the genophage, he wants to elevate his species as a result of it. And yeah, you're right. Shepard kind of like painted it plainly. Those aren't Krogan in there. Those Mm -hmm. are husks. They're tools meant to be used for Sarens and the Reapers, you know, control. Mm -hmm. Like we let them live, like the entire galaxy dies. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when like all of a sudden, like he's that, that scene where all of a sudden he just puts the shotgun down. He's like, all right, Shepard. You win this round. <laughs> so, uh, they're basically the, the one thing that Benezia and um, Saren were trying to get at is that there's a particular relay called the Mu relay, the M- MU relay, and it's a very, a very specific relay that only go- that goes to a part of space that's really uncharted, and that's where there's a planet called Ilos there. And on Ilos is supposed to be something called the conduit. I know we talked about the conduit earlier, earlier, but uh, no one knows what this conduit is until later on. Once you actually start to discover um, what's on Ilos and what the conduit actually is, I think Saren knows at this point what the conduit is, but Shepard doesn't. Yeah. So yeah, when- Shep- yeah. Yeah, because Saren, I think Saren was actually able to like successfully like like get the information off of the beacon that they just found. Yeah, because they did find a beacon on Vermeer, and that's when mm-hmm. we got our first interaction with Sovereign. Yeah, where he predicted the Reapers coming to exterminate. Yeah. Oh yeah. All. That was that was such a cool part of the game because like at that point, because because at that point. Everybody's sitting there thinking, like, why is why is Saren's ship talking to us? And then and they're like, wait. And then we like like Sovereign says something, and 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 I think Sovereign says Sovereign says like uh, Sovereign says like Saren is a is a part of my will. Yeah. And then um and and then I think it's that point. Whoever you have with you, either Ashley or Caden, the first thing they say is like, that ship's the Reaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, 
he yeah he he says some like really kind of like um it's some cryptic, pretty damning but things. it's also it's cryptic but it's also ominous <laughs> yeah it really is because they you know basically sovereign is telling you like obviously the cycle like there's yeah. th there's a cycle that every 50,000 years they come in they clean they wipe the galaxy clean and start new and he's like they we do it because we demand it it's, it's kind of something along those lines yeah. it's like some chilling dialogue where it's like oh jesus so but uh I mean, some of his lines were like, we are eternal, the pinnacle of evolution and existence. Before us, you are nothing. Your extinction is inevitable. We are the end of everything. So it's like, it, it, it's a really good, it's a really good scene because that's when you know, okay, Saren's not the main bad guy here. <laughs> like, there's something even more out there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, kind of going back, Shepard lands on Ilos, which is basically they, they find this relay that uh, the Rachni Queen had information on. Uh, they find this relay. They attempt to go to... I think they, they actually attempt to go to Ilos, but like once they kind of come to the Citadel with all this information about Saren, and they're like, oh, shit, you're right. He is kind of a dick. All right, we're going to take care of it. We're going to, you know, make sure, uh, you know, with all this information that you got that he's coming to attack the Citadel and all the mass relays, so... We're going to protect the mass relays and stuff like that. And Shepard's like, well, what about the Reapers that I keep talking about? And they're like, yeah, we don't believe you on that either. So uh, we're going to ground your ship. And they're like, well, wait, I got to get to Ilos because that's where Saren is. Yeah, they're that, like, yeah that, was a, that was a dick move, by yeah, the way. Yeah, because they were like, yeah, no. Um, we're just going to protect our fleet. And uh, you're going to stay here. Which I don't, you know, that's the one boneheaded thing I don't understand about like the council and Udina. Like, like, what was what was the overall like reason for all that? You know, Odina, I, I Odina turns to you and says, "You've done enough, Shepard. I'll take it from here." And then he takes two steps forward and he like gives you the cold shoulder. And I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> like the one time I wanted a renegade option to punch that dude in the face. Like, oh my god! I was like, I I, I say that every time I play that scene. Wait, wait, I was like, "You motherfucker!" Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Dude, but come on, man, because you know, because you, you know, like, uh, it, it, it's sweet what happens, like, later on in the series. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It is so satisfying. <laughs> but, but, you know, that you know, I'm glad you mentioned that scene because, yeah, like, Udina, at that point, Udina was like, hold on, I'm, I'm the ambassador of Earth for the, for the council, and this little, this little soldier right here is actually more important than I am now. Yeah. So, like, you can get out of here now. <laughs> so it's, like, literally him who grounds you. It's not the Citadel that grounds you. Like, the Citadel could yeah. tell you to fuck off, whatever. But, like, you know, the ambassador, I think Ambassador Rodina, he's not a counselor at this point, where he's like, I'm grounding your ship. So, like, yeah, you know, you ain't going anywhere. Because he, he wants the glory. He wants to kind of elevate his status to mm -hmm. become a counselor on the, uh, to have a seat on the council. And, yeah, he just... So that's where kind of like Captain Anderson gets to work. And uh, what is it? The, the, there's two options you could tell Anderson to do. You could tell him to kind of like try to hack the mainframe to like unlock your ship or to like literally like hack into Odina's computer and do it. <laughs> and I always pick that option because what that option entails. Yes. What that option entails is basically walking into his office, punching him in the face. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then Kev, you know, uh, David Anderson going to work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that scene was, oh my God. I, <laughs> I just, I remember so well, like Udina's like, Anderson, what are you doing, doing here? here? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask you to come here. I didn't summon you here. And like, you see that walk where he just like, walking like with such force and then he just bam (laughs) (laughs) so good by the way by the way that's not the only sucker punch we've seen in mass effect (laughs) nope nope definitely not remember when you first land on eden prime and you and you rescue those scientists and the one person is completely wigged out (laughs) he's the one he's the one that knew about the reapers before anybody that man should be a hero Yes, it was, it was it was funny too because because Shadow's like say goodnight, Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like damn, that man that man was trying to save our our galaxy, and he just put him to sleep. Like, Shepard's a hardcore motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is when you want him to. Be. That's not the that's not the best sucker punch though. <laughs> no, because uh, periodically when you go back to the Citadel, you get that reporter. <laughs> oh my god. That, that that comes in and asks you certain questions and you know you could you could have a diplomatic response you could have a really kind of brash dickish response and this reporter Ben Salani or whatever yeah Ben Salani yeah where I mean she comes at you like a kind of like a hey what's this whole thing about like you helping alien races and like giving not giving a shit about humans what's up with that you know and like she keeps prodding you with these questions and you could like continue to act diplomatically or you know. You could say, you know what, I've had enough of you, and then just decker. <laughs> so satisfying when you do that. Ah, that punch, that punch on her though. Oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> I just love the follow up in two. Oh, the follow up in two is so good. <laughs> my <laughs> my parents always told me, don't 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 put your hands on women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but man, when I saw the option like punch her, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what happens. <laughs> All right. So, so Anderson, Anderson basically hacks, hacks, uh, hacks the mainframe. Yeah. Uh, re- releases the, uh, releases the, the Normandy. Yep. So Shepard can go, can go, to, can follow, uh, Saren to Ilos. Yeah. And get shit done. All which right, is one of the mainer, which one of the main Prothean planets that has literally been undiscovered, literally been, you know, yeah, never explored ever. So, when you land on Ilos, yeah. it's literally the first time anybody has yeah. been on Ilos since the Protheans walked. And and what's crazy about that is that is that as you're traveling through Ilos through some of the facilities, you're actually seeing cryosleep chambers of Protheans that you know like put themselves in suspended animation be- because of that fifty thousand year cycle and stuff like that. But a terrible malfunction had happened, and they all died. Yeah, and that's kind of part of the part of the VI. That you discover, you discover this protein VI that was supposed to monitor the whole system and all its functions and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, when the proteans discovered that this is a fifty thousand year cycle, and they were trying to build a weapon to attack the Reapers, so to speak, and they ran out of time, so they said, "Well, we're going to go into cryogenic sleep once the Reapers have finished it with their, um, and you know, destruction of everything. They'll always go back to dark space, and that's where we can kind of come back and kind of continue our work, so to speak." But uh, yeah, an accident happens in the facility, and the VI has to like periodically shut down cryopods, you know, from 
And you only discover this once you start to talk to the VI. It's like this kind of like onboard computer thing that like talks to you. But interestingly enough, because of the cipher that you got from the Thorian, Shepard can understand it, but none of your other party members can. Yeah. Because your party members are like, I didn't understand a word like that thing said. And Shepard's like, what are you talking about? He was speaking plainly to me. I knew exactly what he was saying. So it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. The uh, Yeah, so the VI tells you that, obviously, uh, they had to they had to kind of shut down those cryopods periodically and l- suspending a lot of the power to some of the more essential pods. And I think a- as of that point, everybody had been, everybody had been dead, which kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Cause at that point you yeah. think like maybe someone made it, but so no, yeah. not on this planet. No, definitely not. Unfortunately. So the, um, so basically the Prothean VI kind of tells you about the cycle, tells you about kind of the, this is where a bulk of the Mass Effect story is, is about um, organics versus AI, organics versus uh, kind of like a, what am I thinking of? Yeah, yeah, kind of like AI, like, you know, artificial intelligence and um, synthetics, so to speak. Because... Yeah. Every race, every alien race, every alien species will always create robots to serve them. Mm-hmm. And every time at some point, which is what happened to the Quarians the, and the Geth, yep. is and that Geth. at some point their their creations will turn against them, will rebel because they will become sentient. And the alien races will always see that as a threat to say, no, we can't give them sentience. We can't give them their own lives even though that's all any living being wants, and every living being wants to live. And that's why, historically throughout the series, I always felt bad for the Geth because the Geth were doing what they were programmed to do. They were programmed to protect, and they were programmed to take care of things. So when the Quarians started to attack, they did what any race would do. They would defend. They defended themselves. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I've always felt like the Quarians were the aggressors, and the Geth were kind of... I mean, yeah, the Geth could have been like, hey, chill, like we won't do anything, but... You know the guests were programmed to defend, and that's what they yeah. what they did. So that's always when the cycle starts to kind of end, to where the Reapers start to see that okay, obviously things are getting out of hand again. So we're going to wipe the slate clean, and we're going to try again with a new life cycle. That's kind of the story of the Reapers. Yep. Yeah. The um. <clears throat> yeah. So while. While Shepard is talking to the uh, to the VI that's on Ilos and stuff, they finally get the full picture of what's going on. Uh, they they find out that the Citadel is the mass relay. Yeah. Like it's the one it's the one that connects to the actual mass relay that's that's located in dark space where the where the Reapers are supposed to be coming from and stuff like that. Um, and and Saren, I mean, I'm sorry, Sovereign is is like is basically like their 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 what's it called a herald. Like he's the first one that shows up. Yeah, he's literally the first. Uh, yeah, the first. Yeah. Uh, Reaper that shows up. Sovereign's mission. Sovereign's mission ba- mainly is he wakes up early. He checks out the galaxy. He gets. He basically gets a lay of the land, see the situation. He's like, oh, they're oh, they're not ready. He goes back to dark space and goes to sleep a little bit longer. If he if he if he shows up, he's like, oh, they ready? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he goes. He heads straight for the citadel. 
He heads straight for the Citadel, activates the relay that opens up the other relay to dark space, and that wakes up the rest of the Reapers, and they come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing that the Citadel is. The Citadel was created by the Reapers. Do we find that out yeah. in the first one? Uh... I think we do. I think we do, but the I, I don't think the the real weight of the Citadel is like you know becomes known until Mass Effect Three. Yeah, really, because um, we know that the pro. I mean, I think at that point, the because the Asari were literally the first race to discover the Citadel. Yes, they were the first race in our in our cycle. Yeah, in our to cycle, discover, discover the Citadel. Citadel. Yeah, and that's where they found that it was Prothean technology or something like that. So I think yeah, maybe at this time of the first Mass Effect that the Protheans had designed the Citadel, you know, in its current form. But of course, naturally, I think we find that it was actually designed by the Reapers to be a relay because you get those little like keeper robot things that everybody knows like works in the Citadel, but they kind of mind their own business and don't really do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it, but they're actually the kind of like the gatekeepers, so to speak, where they unlock the key and basically let the, are yeah, supposed they, to let the reapers in. Yeah, the keepers have the keepers have some some overall some overall role they play, and basically and basically when a reaper shows up, they they basically they basically get everything in order on the citadel to start the uh, to start the signal for the mass relay. Um, which I, 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 I think I missed something here in my playthrough. Did Saren, did Saren go to Ilos while Sovereign was headed for, for the Citadel? Is that what happened? Because Saren was on the planet and then, oh, oh by the way, there's a, there's a mass relay on Ilos that takes him directly to the Citadel. Yes. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and, a, it's like but, a literal one way mass effect relay. Yeah. But Saren, but Saren is on Ilos. With no sovereign in sight. Yeah, because so was, well, because that's the thing. Because Saren has to travel straight to the Citadel in order to open the Citadel so that mm. Sovereign can dock. So I think Sovereign kind of like traveled there with the Geth army separately while Saren was while Saren was on was planet side because yeah. that was his that's right that was his surefire way to infiltrate back onto the Citadel without being caught. That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly because that. That like like you said that Mass Effect relay that's on Ilos was that one way shot straight into literally into I think you what you crash land into the Presidium or something like that yeah or whatever you well, yeah the Presidium right where there because also if you if you if you do any exploring on the Presidium there's they they think it's a replica of a, of a mass relay mm -hmm. but it actually is a mass relay yeah. on the Citadel yeah this looks kind of <laughs> suspicious the way this is all shaped out. Oh well, <laughs> and there and there's some type of energy coming from it. It's like, wait, y'all y'all dumbasses never scanned that thing. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so Our, funny thing. Hey, what are those keepers? What do those little robot things do over there? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't maybe, really do anything. Maybe 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 we were supposed to get cold in that fifty thousand year cycle. We didn't learn enough shit. Apparently. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Reapers are like sitting there, like ah. <laughs> Do we really want to call them? Maybe we should get them. Another, maybe we should get them another five thousand years. Yeah, maybe they'll figure <laughs> it out another five thousand years. I don't know. Jesus. That's why the Reapers are the good guys. Reapers are the good guys. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, so, so Shepard and team follow follow Saren directly through that mass relay, and uh, and Stoy, take it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, Saren's trying to 
unlock the doors, so to speak, and uh, so that Saren can dock into this specific part of the Mass Effect relay or the the Citadel. So the Citadel has this is it's like a ring, it's like a center ring, and it's got these like large little kind of appendages, so to speak. And on those appendages is where it looks like, like a big flower. Yeah, it's like a big flower actually. Yeah, and like in the middle of that ring, the appendages is where all like the buildings and the you know houses are and stuff like that. So like in this ring is like a tiny little like kind of like docking conduit thing or something like that that no one really knows what it does. It's just there. And that is where that Reaper Sovereign is supposed to dock into. And that's supposed to unlock that Mass Effect relay that is supposed to let the Reapers in. So the Reapers are supposed to originate from the Citadel, so to speak. So at this point, obviously, all the races are embroiled in this large space battle between... um. You know, the Geth armies, the Geth ships, and then obviously Sovereign, too. They're trying to attack Sovereign, but Sovereign has this shield that makes them pretty much invulnerable to combat, mm-hmm. to any firepower whatsoever. While Shepard is on the ground trying to chase down Saren to prevent him from unlocking, you know, that docking area. So this is where, on Vermeer, you can actually convince him that he's indoctrinated. And he, he shows a little bit of senses of, like, acknowledgement, like... He's like, I know I am, but it's like I can't stop it at this point. Yeah. And you talk to him again in the final the final chase where, like, you actually catch him at the end. And you're like, hey, man, like, it's not too late. You could help us. You could save us. Help us defeat Sovereign. Like, you're indoctrinated. And, he, and if you're successful in this, like, you have to have full Paragon points, like, all throughout the nights. And he could admit defeat and actually put the gun to his head. And kill himself to say like I am yeah. indoctrinated. This isn't what I wanted. That's where you kind of feel sorry for him because he's a he's a victim of his own power loss. Yeah, yeah. Like you you want you want to figure out like by by the end of the game you want to figure out that you know like he's actually a sympathetic figure. Yeah, he actually is. So he puts the gun to his head, shoots himself. But obviously the indoctrination changes him to like a weird spidery leggy thing or whatever. You end up fighting that, and then you kill him, and then you come out of the rubble and this triumphant um, stance but obviously before that you have to make a you have to make a really brash decision Ooh. the council is is leaving the council is evacuating on this ship called the destiny ascension so to speak mm-hmm. was well, the ascension is like the most powerful asari ship in 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 the in the combined fleet yeah so they're trying to escape, but the Geth and uh, the Geth are trying to obviously shoot down the ship. So, for some reason, Commander Shepard has to make a, has, or Captain Shepard, I think, right? And he's still Commander. I, I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever takes. A, I don't even think he ever takes full promotion throughout the entire series. No, I don't think he does. Yeah, but um, yeah. So basically, he, he or she, I guess, because you know Shepard can be whatever you want it to be. Um. They ask you somehow, hey, by the way, can you help make us this, make this decision for us? You know, um, Humanity has all the fleets to try to save the Citadel Council. Or should the, humani- should the human fleet spend their firepower on Sovereign, on trying to attack and destroy Sovereign before he docks? So this is where the implications of is humanity looking out for humanity and glory 
or is, is humanity looking out for other races and other species? So this is where you can make the decision to save the council and preserve galactic sanity and galactic, you know, dominance of all species or let the council die, take the glory for beating, defeating sovereign and elevating humanity to another level. Because after that point, the objective would be to kind of say like, Hey, we're humanity. We just saved y'all, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is, this is, I feel like this is the decision for the entire game like the the saving the council or fighting sovereign i think this is the one because in all seriousness i've i've looked at it like because um i've looked at like all the outcomes for all the games and i feel like i feel like if you choose to like let the council die that is the that is actually the bad ending for the first mass effect game yes um yeah because uh basically it shows that it j- basically shows that humanity is just greedy and and opportunistic mm-hmm. you know um me personally, I save the council. I save the council um, it's, every it's, time. Yeah, it's it's one of those situations. It's like it's like because you know, I feel like I feel like humanity, humaneness wins out. Even even with even with alien species, you know, if we're if we're if we're if we're kind enough to like like if we see someone like hit a dog out in the street, that we'll get out of our car and move the dog to the side of the road to make sure like it doesn't get killed in the street, you know, stuff like that. Same thing applies, you know, like it's a, it's a morality clause right there, you know, stuff like that. Like I did have some friends that said in their first playthrough, they were like, fuck the council. And I was like, thanks. You just let me know a lot about your character, you know? <laughs> I know. Well, and, and that's, you know, emotion over logic. I mean, it's the kind of like the classic decision making that a lot of a lot of the choices in Mass Effect have. It's like, you know, the council has been against you from day one. Um, they have been against humanity from day one as well. Humanity's got this, you know, stigma of being a teenager amongst all the adults in the room. And, you know, at some point you start to feel bitter and resentment toward other races. So this is the time for you to shine and step up to show the galaxy who you are as a species and to say, oh, you now you need my help? No, screw you. I'm going to go take the glory right now. Yeah. You know, and that's emotion speaking over logic to where. It's like, despite the fact that they were, you know, every race, alien race was a jerk to humanity, we still want to be part of this community and we're going to do what we can to be a part, you know, of the community. Yeah. Which is, which is funny because I, I, like I said earlier, like, like Mass Effect definitely like it, it parallels like what we deal with in life and stuff like that. Look at all the injustices that happen to like, to like, to like people every day, like people of color, like people of certain religious, religious backgrounds, you know, orientations, all that stuff. Like at the end of the day, like all those people want is just to be included with yeah. the rest of society, with the rest of the status quo and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So yeah, I I've, I always figured that you know saving the council that's a no brainer right there because no, really but is. also but also let's let, let let's let's be serious. Like if you if you're being emotional about how the council like how the council is towards humanity. He, in the first Mass Effect game, the council didn't do enough to me to say, "Oh, fuck these guys." Mm-hmm. Now we got into Mass Effect three, and we had that decision. You know, maybe then I could, you know, be like, "Oh, you know what? These guys have been painting my ass since the very first game." Right. And you know, also, I, also I have to say, these guys, have been, I, I wasn't playing. I didn't play the game when it came out in two thousand seven, all the way through to its run. Which what the what the game the series ended in what in twenty fourteen or twenty twenty fifteen? I think. I think yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Either way it goes, either way it goes, like maybe if I had played from 2007 until the end, you know, then I could be like, oh, you know what? 
let let these fuckers die. But you know, they hadn't done in Mass Effect One. They had not done enough to to me and humanity for me to say they die. Mm. Yeah. No. Um. And also, that, and also, go ahead. Also, there was another thing in my head back then that I was like, what if we, what if we, what if we sacrifice the council? And it goes wrong for us, like you know, the all of a sudden the, the 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 species that made up the council race all of a sudden make humanity the enemy. Yeah, it could it could have horribly backfired. Well, it really could have, and we we know now that if you decide to sacrifice the council, you can either choose to make an all human council council, or you could kind of like put in other other races or whatever. Like the council could get repopulated. But humanity is still seen as like kind of like a stigma, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately in the end, like like I said, the only real decision is to save the council because that kind of in the end, obviously the council um, recognizes humanity's role in stopping sovereign and saving the mm -hmm. council and putting other alien species before humanity's own selfish desires yeah and that was the big it, that was the biggest test for humanity that was it, that was the very biggest interesting, test. actually that you bring up the the metaphor of the whole and it's not necessarily a metaphor because this is real life about how even in today's society where there's there's so many injustices against people that are of you know varying beliefs colors religions and everything kind of like what you said you know the answer is not to well i just want to destroy everybody that disagrees mm -hmm. with me. I want to destroy everybody that slighted me. I want to kill those people. That's not the right answer. The right answer is for one to be recognized by these people and two to be part of a kind of like a global community of togetherness. Yeah. Not, and I'm going to put all of these people, all, all my people are people of my specific religions, beliefs, colors, whatever, on a small island. You know, like that's not this that's never been the answer. This is why this is why it never works in X Men. When every time Magneto put takes tries to take all the mutants and put them in one place, it never works out. No, never <laughs> does. Never does. Yeah. And 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 the sad part is, it's not because like the outside people are meddling with Magneto's affairs. Like it's his own people on the inside that are fucking him up. Well, yeah. I mean, ultimately, in the end, the difference, you know, there's there's more human humane differences within certain groups of people than there are elsewhere. I mean. Oh, yeah. So to, to a certain point, we're all more alike than we realize. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. what background you come from or what country you were born in. You know, a lot of times humanity, and I imagine the same goes for alien species in this case, but, uh, you know, we're all the same. Yeah. Ultimately, in the end, and we're all the bastions of our own destruction. Mm -hmm. So, which yeah, so... we've, which we'll see with humanity later on in the series. Yeah, for real. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like I said, I say I say the council, and um, and and like the the only other major decision you have before Shepard goes back out in space is like who represents Earth on the council because like because like you get Earth finally gets his opportunity to be on the councils. Man, like Mass Effect One had like some deep stuff going on. Yep. Got your first. Got your first Spectre. You learned that you learned that the galaxy gets wiped out every fifty thousand years. Mm -hmm. uh, humanity, humanity gets uh, gets on the council. Like man, all sorts of big stuff happened that first yeah, game. No kidding. <laughs> and now you got to pick your counselor. They, you know, they say like, hey, since you know you kind of saved all of us, like, why don't you pick? You know, counts. You know, Odina, who's a dick, <laughs> or Anderson, who's like 
Now, now, okay. So how I said earlier that the council didn't do enough to me to to grant me not giving you know not letting them live. I can't say the same thing for Udina. Udina was an absolute pain in my ass, mm -hmm. in Shepard's ass, the entire game. There was no fucking way I was making him a counselor. There was no way. <laughs> I know, but that's my problem is that between him and Anderson, he would do a better job. Because Anderson, Anderson would Anderson's say from not the a beginning, politician. Yeah, he Anderson's said from the beginning, I'm not a politician, I'm a soldier. I need to be in the battlefield or I need to be kind of in that sense. Like he said numerous times, I don't want to be, I don't want to be no counselor. No way. Don't put me on there. You know? And I think even like if mm. you do acknowledge and put him in there, he like actually kind of resents you for it. Like when you talk to him in Mass Effect 2, he's like, yeah. man, I hate this shit. <laughs> huh. You know what? Now, you know, now that you said that as I complete my first playthrough of, uh, of Mass Effect 1, I'm well, on my second playthrough. I'm sorry. My second playthrough of Mass Effect 1. I think I might actually let Udina have his shot this time. Well, I think. So my first playthrough, I made Anderson because I'm like, Udina's a dick. I don't want to put him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I talk to him, when you talk to him in Mass Effect 2, you know, he kind of has this like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, you you know, you're, you're with Cerberus now? What the fuck? And, you know, you're like, hey, man, like you talk to him like, hey, how's the how's counselor life? And he's like, I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like this politics bullshit. This is stupid. Why'd you do this to me? I mean, he didn't say it in those words, but that was the, it was the reading in between the lines thing that it was like, man, he's he's not happy. So mm -hmm. that's why. I mean, ultimately, by Mass Effect three, it doesn't matter who you pick. It's always going to be the same person yeah. in the end. But yeah, yeah. Um, ever since my first playthrough, I was like, yeah, I'll just pick. I'll just pick Udina. Ugh. I don't like Udina. <laughs> Me neither. The voice is perfect because it's it it, 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 his, it, 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 it it grates on your nerves, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> like whoever did the voice of that, like it's like, hey, we want you to be as annoying as possible, and like mm -hmm. be as pretentious as possible. Oh, I could do, and you know, the voice actor's like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and man, the, whoever it is did a good job. I'm actually gonna look up that that person's name because uh, yeah, who said, did play who? Who did play that? that? <laughs> His name is uh, Bill Ratner. Bill Ratner. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Yeah, Bill Ratner. Yep. Uh, dude, well, seventy-four. Wait, wait. He's the voice of Flint from the original GI Joe. Yep. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. What? And he's reprised his role as Flint for quite a few years. He did. He 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 was the voice of Flint in the Family Guy episode that they had. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> I don't even recognize that. You know what? Flint was my favorite character from the original GI Joe. It was one of my favorite characters from the original GI Joe series. I don't even recognize that voice with Udina. I don't. <laughs> wow. That'd be interesting to kind of like look back on it. Hmm. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so you end up flying off in this space. Uh, the Reaper threat is still there, but no one believes you. But, you know, you're like, well, I'm going to find out my they, own information. They, they don't they don't deserve to live at this point. <laughs> no, they really don't because 
like I said, Mass Effect Two, you know, you got your own problem. You got problems to deal with. Mass Effect Three, all of a sudden they're not like that first opening scene. It's like you put me, you you jail, you took my ship, you took my crew. They, you you basically made they, me a prisoner, and now you're calling legit, me here. They, exactly, they legit like, what do we do? Like, I'm like, bitch, <laughs> I told you, I told you what to do four years ago. That was that, that was the one time, that was the one scene where I wanted Shepard to just like listen. <laughs> Hang on, let me. Let, let me see if I understand the situation I'm in right now, Red. Okay, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll get to that when we talk about Mass Effect Three. But um, yeah, that's basically the story of Mass Effect One. Um, yeah. Any. Uh, it's a wonderful game. It's a wonderful game. No, it really it's is a wonderful game. Um, interestingly it's, enough, and I think we talked it, about this, is that they didn't have a plan for a sequel until like later yeah. development. Yeah, like I, I had no idea because. Like, because in all seriousness, the way it was always presented to me, it was always presented to me that it was going to be a trilogy. So it, it's crazy to hear that they, they, they only planned for this to be a one and done originally. Yeah, because I don't think they really knew that it was supposed to be big. But I think in the middle of development, it was getting a lot of press and a lot of good feedback. And a lot of people said, like, hey, let's make this into a series. So they had to change a lot of the writing of it because ultimately, like, the Reapers were supposed to be stopped. The, yeah. the Citadel was supposed to be their one way in. And mm-hmm. once that was shut down and stopped... That was supposed to be the why end of it. Why didn't we just blow up the Citadel? I don't know, a lot of people on there. Where that would have. That would. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna say fuck those people, but the renegade same time. option, like extreme renegade <laughs> option, nuke the Citadel. That would have ended the series. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, like, okay, uh, here's the recurrent theme. Here's the recurrent theme in, in all the Mass Effect games, including Andromeda. The Citadel is the central source of everything that goes on in this universe yes just just remember that mm-hmm. it's weird to hurdle everything all, all major points of commerce economy civilization everything into one space now now here's something i know for sure like if i was a person that if i was just like a regular civilian that was living on the citadel and I find out that hey, like there was a major war that just happened in this place that I lived, and that and that and that the Citadel can actually move and do all this. Stuff. As soon as I was deemed a survivor of the Citadel, I would I would move. Yep, I'd be gone. Going back to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will wait. I will live out. What, what what's those what's those areas called? Uh, like the Terminus the, systems, technically. Yeah, I, I yeah I would rather live out in Terminus. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the Terminus <laughs> systems actually are like part of like non-galactic space, so to speak. And, and we, we we talk more about that in Mass Effect Two because yeah, well, humans, human, like 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 the alliance is like humans go out there at your own, yeah, <laughs> at your at your own risk. <laughs> yeah, which we talk more about that particular system, uh, definitely in mm. two. But yeah, um, any other closing thoughts with this? Uh, honestly, these guys, these guys did a wonderful job. Like I, it, and you know, like they did a wonderful job. Like they kept the momentum going, like, you know, for the, for, for the duration of this trilogy, um, like the game only gets better. Like they streamline a few things, like, like, like you'll, you will see some big differences when you press start on Mass Effect 2, yeah. uh, which we'll, which we'll talk about in the next standard definition for this, but, um, but well put together. Like, I mean, like. This is this is the stuff that you know, like 
we really expect from from games, you know, like we we do. We don't always get it, but this is stuff we expect. So it's always refreshing when we get this stuff. Like there's lore there. Like I mean, like you can rack up your playtime alone just sitting there reading all the journal entries and the codex entries in this game. Yeah. And 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 you know the cool thing about it, you don't even have to read. No, like all the codex all the codex entries are narrated. Yeah. <laughs> um. What do you mean narrated? Like, okay, when you go to a codex entry, like, say, for example, you're looking up information about the Asari. Yeah, in the first like, when, one, they're all narrated. Yeah, they're narrated. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Yeah, they're yeah narrated. that is nice. Yeah. 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 Like, some, like, like, someone reads it for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing. I don't think they did that in 2 and 3, did they? I, I thought they I thought they continued. I thought they did it for all of them. I don't know. I, I, I remember in 1 now, but I don't know if they did that in 2 and 3. Huh. I mean, I mean, I'm gonna check it out. I may have to find out. Yeah, let me know. Well, I'll, I'll know. I'll know. I'll know soon. I'll know yeah. soon. Yeah, let me know because I, I'd be kind of curious too. Um, so, yeah, that that was the kind of thing when you look at, um, video games as a storytelling medium. You know, you could argue to say that the video games are the best medium, entertainment medium, to tell a story, mm-hmm. because you know movies can only give you so much, um, lore and information in one sitting. Yeah. Um, you know, books, same thing. Like how much lore and, you know, in depth do you want to go without, you know, slowing down the story? Video games, you can kind of consume the content if you want. You can burn through this game really quickly. You could actually spend the time, like you said, reading all the codex entries and really kind of delving deep into character histories and conversations and stuff like that. And you can you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. Shit, even when even when you wind up just like going out there exploring space and you go into different sectors of the galaxy and stuff, when you run across a planet, they even have a write up of what the planet's about. Yeah, I know. Even I, if, dude, I love even if it's reading a, e- that. Even if it's a dead world, they still have a write up about like what's going on out here and stuff. It's like, it's like, damn, like how do you know all the? <laughs> did we didn't know all this history. I, I'm I'm glad we have it, but you know, like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, man, they. They put a lot of depth and detail into the into the game. And I love reading that. Like honestly, every planet I would like kind of like explore and visit. I read the description mm-hmm. to say like, oh, this planet is completely inhabitable because the oxygen level is like below thirty percent or something like that, which or like, you know, it's got See? lush green atmosphere, but it's like has so many histam- histamine properties in it that like if you take your suit off, you would be allergic. And just like it's so crazy to think and, like yep. Yep, stuff like that gives yeah. me a sci-fi boner. Oh yeah, it, does. It, it really do because I'm like, man, imagine landing on this planet, but like, you know, every plant you touch, you have an allergic reaction to it. Like it's so crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah. So many different so many different things. Like it's so cool. Yep. I mean, yes, wonderful wonderful game. 9 9 out of 10. 9, yeah. 9 out of 10. Even even with the game's flaws. Like the game the game was the game was flawed. Yeah, the, I, and a lot of people will say you know i've heard a lot of people say skip the first one and just go to two and three right away i i really don't recommend that even though mass effect one may be kind of like a slow slog um you know what if especially if you hear about how great two and three are it's really really worth it to to get into know the universe get to know the characters and get to know the story yeah it's really worth it yeah, like there's, yeah, like it's a, it's honestly one of my favorite uh, video game, if it, it, not franchises, at least video game trilogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely. And that's the thing. That's the thing too. A lot of a lot of games, a lot of games don't set out to do trilogies. They usually they're usually like we're gonna make a sequel, you know, but they don't yeah. set out to make a trilogy. 
Yeah. And that's I, honestly trilogy. It's kind of the way to go because like, you know, you make a set of like three games or three movies or three books, whatever you end that particular timeline. And then, you know, obviously the idea with what Mass Effect Andromeda wanted to do is like, we're going to create a new story, new timeline, new characters. And obviously that didn't work for them, but for many reasons, but I think that was the, you know, new galaxy, new missions, new characters, you know, new trilogy, so to speak, hopefully, but obviously yeah. it didn't work out. Oh, oh, one question. Um, when you, when you were creating Shepard, which, um, what, uh, what, 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 um, what attributes did you give him? A lot of times I would, uh, be female Shepard because I love Jennifer oh. Hale's voice acting. Yeah. Um, I would always be a soldier mm-hmm. because I just, you know, like all the, I, I like to be able to use all the weapons. Um, yeah. On my last playthrough, I was biotic all the way through. Oh, um, oh yeah? Yeah, I was bi- biotic with the first, second, and third one. It's the first time I've ever done that. Um, I've never I've I always, never done that. I've never done anything outside of Soldier. Yeah, same for me, actually. So that was always kind of like curious to see, like, oh, let me try playing a biotic this time around. Like, I've never been a tech ever. But uh, maybe I'll try that in my next playthrough. Um the uh i always dump my points right away into um i think where where you can actually like i i forget what it's called but like you get like uh extra points for certain uh, conversation points and, yeah yeah uh, yeah uh it's intimidate and something else um yeah. intimidate and charm. The, I charm. yeah okay yeah there we go yeah. charm and intimidate yeah so, i always plug I always plug into those first, um, and then once I get those plugged in, then I start working on like the like the base stat stats, like uh, like the like the soldier one and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip uh, for anybody that's listening right now. If you if uh, if you're if you're looking to play Mass Effect for the first time, or if this is one of your many multiple playthroughs, like the characters that have like decryption and, and AI hacking. Put the skills into those first because you will run across stuff that you can't hack until you until you level up and get later on in the game. And this game is so massive and expansive that you will forget to come back to certain areas, but mm-hmm. you know, because you couldn't get to it right then and there. Yeah. So, and, so uh, throw those points in there. And definitely if you get frustrated, you could always just slap Omni Gel on it and you can actually hack through anything. <laughs> yep. So that, that that's the one thing. Omni Gel isn't uh really prevalent in uh in two and three unfortunately because there's a lot of things that one does that two and three don't like for example all guns had kind of infinite ammo and infinite energy but like always had this cooldown period yeah and then obviously in one you could just slap omni gel on whatever and that would you know hack into omni gel yeah, Omni Gel is like Frank's Red Hot. Yeah, no kidding. It's like I can put Frank's Red Hot and everything. Put it on everything. Yeah, and that's kind of funny because I think that's that, that's a joke. In there was three. a line. Yeah, there was a, there was a line in three. Like like remember the days you just put Omni Gel on everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was this, I think that was the Citadel DLC, right? Oh, God. Yeah, it was. I love. Oh we, my God. Honestly, honestly, you know what we should do? We should have a separate podcast just for the Citadel DLC. Yes, yes, yeah. We really should. So good. I, I'm there for it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up uh, with this uh, with this one. Uh, stay tuned, obviously, when Leron and I do a two, which uh, 
is arguably one of the best, if not the best game in the trilogy or in all mm -hmm. uh, compared to all the Mass Effects. But what are you um, talking about? Andromeda is the best. What are you talking about? I know. I, I'm doing fan service here. I don't want people to really know how I feel about Andromeda. <laughs> Because I, I really, I, I really liked it, even for all its flaws. It's like the ugly child was, that you have. I was, I was enjoying Andromeda. Yeah. I just never beat it. I just never beat it. Yeah, it's good. Um, but uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's not you. It's me, Andromeda. It's, yeah. it's not you. Yeah, it really isn't. You're doing the best. You're doing the best you can. So I don't have a conclusion. So uh, this is standard definition: the place where the gang from Boss Rush Network talks about video games, movies, television, and music entertainment. So in this case, we talked about Mass Effect. So. Um, Definitely don't forget to uh, hit the Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Boss Rush Network, where you can actually get early access to these episodes and many other episodes. Like we're talking like a month in advance. So uh, you get to listen to episodes almost like a month, month and a half in advance. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously don't forget to leave a five-star review uh, if you want, if you like the stuff. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, uh, you know, Definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, come LeBron. on, come on, everybody! This is the, this is the second time Stoy and I have actually done this as a duo. Come yeah. on, guys! You got to show us the love. Show us the love. Show really. it to us. LeBron, where can people follow you? Uh, you can find me everywhere. Look for Exodus eight hundred three, Exodus eight zero three on social media, uh, Twitch and YouTube, and also that's my gamer. Actually, I just I just found out my gamer tag on Xbox Live is wrong. It's Exodus zero eight zero three. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> where it is Exodus 803 for PlayStation Network. So, so there you go. That's all of them. Uh, I am I am the host of Crossroads PlayStation Podcast for uh, Boss Rush Network. Um, you can find that every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Exodus803, um, Tuesday nights. And I am also part of the crew for the Boss Rush uh, Podcast, the Boss Rush Podcast, as well as Boss Rush After Dark. That's a lot of stuff. That is, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm busy. I suppose I am too because I'm on the EXP cast, a video game podcast. We're part of the Boss Rush Network. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram there, EXP cast. And also I'm part of Arsenal X on the Boss Rush Network where we talk about Xbox. And you can follow me on my personal Twitter and Instagram at StoyMKE8. So, Laron, thanks for joining me on this. Or, you know. My pleasure. Yeah. My pleasure. Hey, you're like, hey, I want to do a, I want to do a standard definition for the Mass Effect trilogy. I was like, say no more. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah, no kidding. So, count, count me in. Like, like I'm, I'm the garrison, your shepherd on this one. Yes, yes, yes. We can't tell anybody this. Okay, I think everyone, oh, everyone on the that network. Would them, that, would, that would already make them so. That would already make them too jealous. You that, know, they, they that would. Are jealous. Let them. <laughs> Let them be jealous. I don't care. I mean, I mean, I mean, they're already trying to blame us for why they're all playing Mass Effect right now. Like. Don't blame us. Like yeah. you obviously want to play the game. You just wait until we start talking about it to play it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we're OGs. We played it. We played it for years before this whole Legendary Edition came out. So, yeah, it be like that. So, all right. Well, bye everyone. Have a good night. <laughs>